1973, in the depths of the Cold War, a minor thaw brought the world Alexander Solzhenitsyn's hard-hitting expose of the labor camps of the Soviet Union. His Gulag Archipelago won the Nobel Prize for Literature and did more damage to the Soviet Empire than a hundred Minuteman missiles. At 1800 pages, it's a daunting read, but we did the hard work for you. So grab a bottle of vodka, close off the neck with some tar, and drop it in an oil barrel to sneak it past the camp guards. It's time for Toasting the Classics, Episode 1. Alexander Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago. So, what are we drinking tonight? What did we read? Well, let's start with what we read. So what did we read? We read The Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I noticed that your Gulag Archipelago is much bigger than mine. Yeah, well, that's just how some people are born. <laughs> um, no, I read the unabridged version, um, the first two volumes. <laughs> oh, you didn't read the third. It's 1,100 pages between the first two so, volumes. So no third. So you didn't finish it? I, I own it. I looked at it. I flipped through it. Uh, but by the time three weeks have gone by... So volume three, I, you don't know how, how, it, how it ended? You know, it comes to an end here. He says he's ending it. He says, I'm never going to get back to this project again. And I was looking at the shelf and thinking, yeah, you did. There's a whole other book. There's another 600 pages here. How much? Okay, how many but pages? Between these, this is... How this many is, pages is the first volume? The first volume is... 500 and change. No, I'm sorry, 600 and change. Uh-huh. The second one is 680. So what's that? I'm well over 1,300 Did pages. you read it all? I read every single page of these two, of well, these two volumes. I, I read every single page, and I finished it. Of the abridged volume. The abridged volume. Yeah, which is which, how many pages in total? Once four, abridged. Once abridged. Not even as long as one of the three volumes. It is uh, 468. Okay. Not including the afterword, which is two pages. So much smarter. I don't know why I didn't do that. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't do that. Well, I found crummy versions. See, I love these. These are nice, but you got the exact same one I did. I know, right? Whatever this is, Harper Perennial Modern Classics, and I so, probably will buy more things in that series. Good-looking, quality paperback. So, so what can you what can you say about the book? Just generally, context-wise. Well, I thought I might spend like an hour talking about what I can say about the book. Other than that, you know, but I mean, yeah. like you know, just to set it up for people. Just set it up. I mean, this is a book that came out at a time when there was a big thaw in um, what the Soviet Union was like after Stalin died. There was a transition to Khrushchev, who has kind of a bad rep in the United States, and history mm-hmm. was not favorable towards Khrushchev, I think, in terms of him being a dictator just mm-hmm. as much. Right. But for a time, I believe several years, there was a thawing. And right. People were allowed to speak more freely. Everybody thought that, oh, Stalin's dead, everything's going to be great now. Yeah, it was kind of a reaction to Stalin totally. from Khrushchev. Who, right. who some say either killed Stalin or allowed... Did you see the movie Death of Stalin? Allowed to die. No, I never oh, saw it. Oh, it's terrific. you got to yeah. watch that movie. Yeah. That's great. Um, I can't remember the actor that plays Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter, but he plays Marshall Zhukov and just like steals the really? show. It's a, yeah. it's a terrific movie. It's hilarious. Like Very good very good movie. He was also in The Patriot. He was in The Patriot. That's a terrible he played, movie. He played, um, the, he played the, the cavalry guy. The Bannister bad, Tarleton. The bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Terrible movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so... All right, so this is written by a guy named Alexander, I can pronounce that. And Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. And I don't, know right. what the, I don't know what the actual stress pattern on that name is. Do you have a, right. okay, when it comes to Russian uh, pronunciations, mm-hmm. you have a leg up on me. I do. I kind of speak Russian well, to some extent. Your, your, Kitchen Russian. Your My wife is Russian. Your so. wife is Russian, yeah. right. Mine is Hispanic, so. There you go. It does not help at all. Well, we'll read something else where you get a leg up. Next oh, yeah, time. absolutely. So. Okay. So Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. 
uh, so, Soljan Eatson. There you go. All right. So he was a educated guy. Definitely. Um, and he was educated in, in literature. I mean, he was a literature philosopher, writer, English. Yeah. Um, uh, he is. Uh, he has a pretty good life. He's well educated. He gets sent to the uh, front lines mm-hmm. in um, when uh, Germany invades Russia in World War Two. And not to forget, he's a true believer as a kid. Well, he's yeah. like a young pioneer. Yeah, they all are. Right. part of the revolution. I he's, think he's, he's the first generation of people born after at the time of the revolution. Right, right. It's sort of like right. Midnight's Children with Salman mm-hmm. Rushdie. Like he's one of the first people born in the Soviet <clears> Union. <throat> And grows up being believing it all until yes. the war. Believes in the Communist Party, right. member of the Communist Party, mm-hmm. whole thing. By the way, there are pictures of my wife as a little girl uh-huh. dressed as a young pioneer in her little like really? baby communist outfit. It's adorable. Oh, that's but, awesome. You know. I know I know so many intellectuals who would really be into that. Yeah. Um, so many of my colleagues would like welcome her into the fold. Oh, uh, yeah. But no, we, we, that, won't, we won't talk is, about that. This will probably come up later. The <clears> fact <throat> that she actually has firsthand experience of socialism yeah. mm-hmm. is the reason why she would never have anything to do with socialism. <laughs> right. So, yeah. It's amazing how that works. You can right? find very yeah. few people from the, yeah. from the former Soviet bloc that have much tolerance for socialism. Right. Because, right. Because, Which yeah. is a big theme of this book, in fact. Yes. Um, but, but, okay, before we get ahead of ourselves. So he... Um, so he goes to fight. He's a he's a captain, I believe. Uh, that sounds right. I yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's an officer. He's got golden epaulets. It's a big thing. Is they've got golden epaulets. He mentions the bars. On yeah, the, the bars on on his on his shoulders. Uh, big thing in the Russian army. Uh, I think he was artillery or something like that. Something um, about artillery. Yeah, yeah. He's right. uh, he's he's fighting valiantly and stuff. But he made the mistake of criticizing Stalin, criticizing the war effort. You know, mm-hmm. like. And it wasn't, it was very timid. It was, uh, you know, why isn't Stalin sending more troops to this area mm-hmm. or something like that? And he sent, a, he sent a letter to a friend of his. He sent a letter to a buddy. On a to a buddy who was, front, who was right? also on the front. Well, of course, uh, as, as, what, you know, as happens in, in tyrannies, uh, letters get intercepted. And he's hauled before the man and sent off to the Huskow. Well, no, in all fairness, uh-huh. even in America, yeah. we censor people's letters when they're fighting on the front. Yeah, but we don't we don't uh, we don't lock them up for saying you know what? No, FDR no, that's a big difference. FDR is kind difference. of an idiot. I had blah, blah, I actually blah. had a friend who had a job that was going over the emails mm-hmm. of dead servicemen to make sure they didn't hadn't said anything. Dead servicemen before, before they could release wow. their emails. Oh, before to the they release them. Oh, geez. They would release them to the family, but yeah. he had to go through and make sure there wasn't any sensitive information. So yeah. he'd have the job of going through this guy who'd gotten killed his whole oh, life. That's terrible. Reading, you know, yeah, it was. It's that's grim. That's, yeah. That's, Did you ever watch? Uh, or have you ever read uh, Catch Twenty Two? A long time ago. <laughs> Remember, it starts with him. The book starts with. That's him. a good one for this series. Yeah, that actually is. Catch the book starts with him censoring. Stuff mm-hmm. okay, and and he and he starts having fun censoring the letters. Oh yeah, the boys yeah, back yeah. Home. I do remember that. So he'll yeah, censor yeah. everything in a in a uh, in a sentence except for like the word the, mm-hmm. or like monkey, you know. <laughs> and so and so the people they they, they they keeps them wondering like what the hell is this guy writing about, right? You right. Because yeah, anyway, so so uh, yeah, so he's he's all before the man. He because um, he he wrote uh, he he. Um, he kind of uh, said some stuff that he, I guess he shouldn't have about Stalin, but again, it wasn't wasn't really that bad. And he is found guilty of violating Section fifty eight. Section fifty eight, right? Uh, Ten 
of the code, which is a political. Which sounds like you're being super anal about talking about the code section, yeah. but this is something that gets hammered home and repeated right. throughout right. the book. The 58s. They call the people that go under this code the 58s. The political right? prisoners. Right. They talk about it over yeah. and over again. But everybody's so. a 58. Right. Like, a, a, you know, children are 58s for making up a nursery rhyme about, about the party or yeah. about, you know, communism or something like that, about how they can never eat. And somebody finds out about it, and they get sent off to prison for violating or Section in the In the abridged version, did you get the story about the Chuvash kid, who Russian wasn't his first language, mm. so he made an error in the Russian poem that he wrote about Stalin? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. ended yeah, up yeah. going, getting right. a 10-year sentence yeah, for, yeah. for yeah. making a mistake right, in his right. second language when he's trying to right. praise Stalin. So. Right. So, um, so that's that's kind of the setup of the book. That's this guy's life. So this guy actually went to that, and, and so uh, the Gulag was a series of uh, work concentration camps mm-hmm. that uh, the Russian or that the communist government had created, and they were all work camps. And and the, the entire government, the entire kind of ecosystem, relied on on free labor, on slave labor. Right. Uh, from these prison camps, and they would do everything from uh, from uh, fell trees <clears throat> to uh, mine coal to mine copper. You know, all these useless canal. That yeah, digging digging canals, right? Yeah. Uh, building railroads across Siberia that never get hooked up. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, one of the famous stories was something like 30, 30 miles of like track were just abandoned. Yeah, yeah, and it was in somewhere. frozen tundra. Well, yeah. it, was, it was from each each direction, so. There was like like thirty miles coming from the east, thirty miles coming from the west, all laid by hand, mm-hmm. taking months and months and months over frozen tundra. Thousands, all these people died. Thousands dead, probably. Yeah. And then they abandoned it like a mile away from connecting them. Like mm-hmm. They really didn't need it, but um, you know, so so that's what they survived on was free labor. And you could get sent for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they had uh, people, literally, that would clip uh, like like some grain or steal a couple of vegetables from a from a. Mm-hmm. Communist farm, commune farm, or whatever, and uh, a people's farm, I guess, and they'd be sent to prison for that or to the gulag for that. Well, one of my favorite stories like that was a guy goes down to the store to buy a bust of Stalin to take back to his office right. so he can have a bust of right, Stalin in right. his office. And he gets out the door and realizes he can't carry it. So he's trying to get down the street and he figures out the only way to carry it is to tie a rope around its neck, and, it, and people see him going down the road. With a neck, with a noose around Stalin's neck. So it looks neck. like he's hanging. It looks like he's hanging yeah, yeah. Stalin. This guy goes to prison for ten years. For right, that, right. Know? So well, it could have been any, it could have been anything. I mean, the full, literally the, anything. The yeah. very first, I mean, in my in my very lengthy abridged version, mm-hmm. it was uh, you know, the very first few chapters were all about everything you could do wrong, and you didn't know what you could do wrong until they arrested you. They just right. show up and said. Yeah, you're under arrest. Which I think is one of the big points of the book, and the big points, I don't even know if Solzhenitsyn's trying to make this point, but one of the big things is I don't think it's so much about socialism or communism, it's the lack of rule of law. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you can be arrested for anything at any time, there's no recourse, you know, there's nothing you can say to anybody about, you know, I was arrested for a bad reason, in America, we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, in every in most countries, you know, and it hasn't really changed. That's the thing. Even in Russia today, this guy Alexei Navalny. I don't know if you followed the story. Yeah, a little bit. So he was essentially had to go to. I think it was Germany. I'm trying to remember which country, but they poisoned him, 
and he failed to appear for a court appearance in Russia he was because in he was dying yeah, he was of dying the poisoning right. that Putin had done to him. Right. And then he gets back to Russia and he's arrested for the failure to appear. Right. There's really not a whole lot of difference between that and the way the Stalinist right. state functioned yeah. in a lot of ways. Now, people don't go to camps and die by the millions, but... As far as we know. As far as we know. Now, it's they, happening in China. Yeah, it is happening in China. And that, that was, you know, these are parallels that we can draw later. But, I mean, with that example that you gave, I mean... You know, they, they send assassins to other countries to kill these people. Oh, yeah. To their, their political Did you hear the one about the umbrella with the, yeah. um, I can't remember, polonium maybe? Yeah. On the tip of, yeah. the, on the, tip of the umbrella and yeah. killed the guy like weeks later. That's, that was in London. Yeah, like that London, happened in London. In London yeah. that happened, exactly. So, so, but, so Stalin, but Stalin was, was just freaking, just a madman, uh, you know, I, I, a psychopath. I mean, he, he sent millions and millions to the gulag, worked them to death. And here's the thing. People say, oh, capital punishment was, was outlawed in Russia in like 1939 or whatever the hell it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you could work them to death. If they fall over dead, well, I didn't, you know, the state didn't kill him. They he died. Absolutely still shooting people during the Second yeah, and, and, World and War. They, and they were, and they no were still, well, they were shooting people after the Second World War yeah. too, and they just wouldn't report it. I think, you know? and I think Solzhenitsyn is admitting this through the book, I think things were better. By the 1950s and going forward, they weren't yeah. good. They weren't like anything like what they are in other countries in the free world. But it wasn't the dark days of Stalinist Soviet Union. I think mm-hmm. it was. It was there was less of that kind of thing. There weren't millions of people going off to gulags. There weren't people getting shot and left in the forest, you know, just for for nothing, you know, for looking at somebody the wrong way. I think things did change to some extent as the regime liberalized and, and the change of leadership, I think, was a big deal. Um, well, the change of leadership did help. I, I, don't think, I don't think he really acknowledged a change in the gulag until Stalin died. Absolutely, you know? yeah. No, it's, um, not, it's well after, that's yeah. after Stalin where things right. changed. Um, not to being perfect, but there, was, there is, there is a, 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 the book would have never happened yeah, under right. Stalin. Oh, absolutely. The book was written, I think, over the course of the 40s and 50s while he's in prison, he's collecting materials. And, yeah. And then uh, even under the liberal days of Khrushchev or whatever this opening yeah. up, it still was, had to be passed around hand-to-hand for people to read. Yeah, this it wasn't was, just this, published. This one was written in the 50s and 60s. This right. one was written after, so it was that Ivan Davanovich or whatever it was called. Oh, Denisovich. Ivan Denisovich, Denisovich yeah. yeah. So he wrote, he wrote that one first. And Khrushchev, we probably don't want to tell people about One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich because that book is like 100 pages long and people can read <laughs> Read that and get right. the exact same message that well, we got in eighteen hundred pages. Okay, well, so actually, let's keep the that reason. A the reason. The reason. Gulag Archipelago, uh, Archipelago. How do you pronounce it? I say archipelago. Okay. <laughs> uh, the reason that it's that it is a classic. It, it this won the author of the Nobel Prize. So this is this mm-hmm. is the right. classic. Um, the previous one though was published under Khrushchev with his blessing. Yeah, but I it, think so. It became, yeah. Yeah. He makes he sort of makes it clear at the end. If you had read read the end, slacker. Yeah, I don't know what happens. <laughs> you know. uh, that that I think the um, Soviet Union wins in the workers' <laughs> paradise. That, is that what happens? Yeah, I think so. But Khrushchev kind of used it as a political tool, as propaganda, to say this is how bad Stalin was. Right. Because he said right. this is Stalin's gulag. This it's part is of de-Stalinization. Right, and this drive, is part so. of that thought you're talking about. So <clears> he, he allowed it to be printed. For that, and so uh, Solzhenitsyn, that's sort of it. Let's just keep going. All right. <laughs> uh, he he, you know, he got a lot of flack from from 
from people that said, you know, it's still going on. You can't say that it's that it's right. thawed. You can't say anything's changed. It's it's still happening. So, and um, and in some ways more controversial mm-hmm. that it didn't start with Stalin. Right. That it clearly started in the first days of the revolution right. and right. could be laid on the shoulders of Lenin. Yes, that's right. Who is thought of as like George Washington by people yeah, yeah. in the Soviet Union at this time. You can't right. say anything. You can say bad things about Robert E. Lee, but not about George Washington right. in, in America. Sure. It's the same thing. You could trash Stalin, yeah. but not Lenin. Right. You know, although actually we talked about a lot of people in my family being Russian. A lot of these people grew up lionizing Stalin just because of the war. You know, I mean, these are Jewish people who have the KGB following them because they're Jewish and stuff, and they still think of Stalin as a hero. Really? Because, the, I mean, if it hadn't been for Stalin, I'm not sure that the, that the Russians win the war. Yeah. I mean, you kind of need a guy like that. Although he also made it much worse for them right. by killing everybody in the army right. before the war. So hard to pass judgment, but you could see how he'd be seen as a hero. Kind of like Churchill. You know, he's a bad yeah. guy after the war. I don't know, man. I mean, I mean look, FD, well, I guess so. I mean, FDR is... See as a hero and stuff, and he interned Japanese Americans as well. That's right. right? That's right. Uh, so I mean, or anyway, saw over it. I don't, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's responsible. Yeah, you know, he's responsible. He certainly for goes it. And yeah. and uh, and but he's still seen by many to be you know the reason that we won World War Two, the reason sure. why we got out of the Great Depression, which was in fact World War Two. But yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that that you you need somebody like that. For those times, mm-hmm. although I don't know, man, it's weird. Cancel culture is is catching up to to a, a lot of people now. I wonder what when it'll catch up to Stalin. I still know that, and I know this. I'm, know, I'm confident. I'm ready to cancel Stalin. Oh, I, I think I, he's a bad guy. I canceled I mean, him a long time ago, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. How many how many times do you see people wearing Che Guevara shirts? You know, yeah, shit like I, that. Honestly, I think that has to do with. And I'm not a huge ignorance. Expert. I'm yes, exactly. Ignorance, and I'm right. not. I'm not an expert on Che Guevara either. I, mm-hmm. I read the Motorcycle Diaries. He's a fascinating young man. That actually is really fun. You would mm-hmm. like him if you read that. But if you know anything about his act, actions yeah. in the Cuban Revolution right. and stuff, no, you wouldn't. He's right. not somebody that you would make a hero out of. Right. You know. Yeah. So again, and certainly not if you're Cuban. Right. I don't think you see a lot of Cubans walking around with Che Guevara shirts. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Cuban Americans. I mean, Cuban Americans. I think pretty yeah, much Cuban Americans. Yeah, you're pretty. You're, you're probably right. Yeah, walk. With, you know, wear that shirt down in like South Miami sometime. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way to get your ass kicked. Probably so. Yeah. I looked up one time the number of terrorist attacks in America uh-huh. for some study I was doing when I was in school. And did you know there were like Miami was the number one city for terrorist attacks no. in America? Really? Because there were so many attacks by Cubans, and by 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 the the Fidel regime and by by reactionary elements in America against the Cuban regime. And there was like... like all the war, stuff warring Cuba. against each other? Yeah, like bombs yeah. going off in downtown Miami and stuff. Like, that's... Wow. Not not a, not a famous chapter of history. All right, well, we've drifted the hell away from this. We're post. still talking about communism. Well, that's, that's true. Sort of. We'll tell you what, this this is a good time to pour some pour some stuff. So, okay. you have ice, right? I do have ice. All right. So, in every episode, we're going to... Uh, I'm going to bring a bottle of something... Um, and uh, we'll be drinking from that bottle of something, and the, the bottle of something sort of works with what we're talking about. So, in this in this one, obviously, we're drinking vodka, because... Obviously. Obviously. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour us a, a short, straight... It's a pretty short one, yeah. Yeah. Short, straight one on ice. Um, 
Now, so, what, are, what are we doing with the vermouth that you brought? Is that for a, a future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to make, we're gonna make okay. a few different drinks. We'll talk about them. So um, this is this is Stoli, Stoliknaya uh, vodka, which, you know, wh- as a kid, meaning in my 20s when I could legally drink, right. or 16 when I drank anyway. Right. Um, Statute of limitations, right. I'm sure. Right. Stoli was, was well, you would say Stoli. Hey, you want some vodka mm-hmm. or you want some Stoli? That's right. Right. Stoli was like the brand to get because Stoli was... Was Russian vodka, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. this other absolute. Absolute, absolute was is Swedish, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so, it's Swedish. Um, but that's legit. Well, they are. But, but vodka, vodka should be from. We're Russia, drinking, yeah, we're drinking. You know, this is actually from Latvia. So, huh. well, that was in the Soviet. Yeah, Union. Yeah, former Soviet Union. Um, so Stoliknaya, it's really interesting. If you ever, um, if Except you, on the bottle, I see it was established in 1936. 1938. So this is, oh, 1938. 1938. Say. So this is established during, during, during um, the height of the gulag system. During the height of the gulag system. I'm going to look this up. I should know this, but I think, hold on. This is, this is but I mean, he's generally a gin man, right? Oh no! What? What's, what's he? The vodka martini. It's a vodka martini. Yeah, vodka oh, martini. Oh, how did I get that mixed up? All right. Yeah, it is. It is Stoli. So. Okay. Well, that seems wrong. It seems like he was uh, courting the enemy in a way, like drinking their. I know, right? Well, be... I think I think it was that was he was so cool that he was he could drink the enemy's drink the enemy's. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, right. Let's see. Let me just. Double check this because I can't remember. I, I want to say it was Smirnoff, but maybe it was Stolich. Let's see. Do we know what Stolichnaya means? I can tell you it's an adjective. Oh, yeah? Wait, how do you know that? Because of the ending. It's an adjective. Stolichnaya it means it's an adjective. It's a feminine ending to an adjective, but I don't know what it means. Let's see. Did you give, uh, do you want to give like your credentials for talking about alcohol? Because I feel like people yeah. will listen. Okay, if all right. Know. Real quick, before I go there. So, okay. and this is why I know this. My, my favorite movie, my favorite James Bond movie is, is Dr. No. The very first James really? Bond So you movie. just were done after the first film. You, you were, no, no, no. It was I mean, all downhill after the first. Sort of. Okay. I like the Daniel Craig ones, but... but Do the, you know I watched um, we watched the Daniel Craig uh-huh. movie, uh, the first one, Casino Royale, yeah. with my son. Okay. And he was like... Because there's a time in a young man's life where he has to start appreciating James Bond. Yeah, of course. Thought. And he totally did. Uh-huh. And then we watched um, Goldfinger. Okay. And Sean Connery walks on screen and my son says, who's this guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is, oh. I mean, Daniel Craig's a good Bond. but That was a mistake. That is blasphemy. Yeah, like, that, that was I mean, a mistake. Was... He should have reversed that. Because yeah. that would actually, that's probably one of the coolest ones he was in. But uh, Dr. No, and I think. in Royale? No, 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 uh, uh, Goldfinger. Oh yeah, Goldfingers. Yeah. Actually, I like From Russia with Love is probably my favorite. But if you if you notice, Doctor No, he, he goes into his uh, he goes into his there's a scene he goes into his hotel, mm-hmm. um, and there's two bottles of Stoli. Okay. On the uh, on the wardrobe there, one of them's open, and he picks it up. He's about to pour himself a drink, but he thinks to himself, "This bottle's open. I can't do that." So he puts it away and picks up. This is Bond who's drinking. This is Bond. Yeah, Bond. Yeah. Bond. And he picks up the fresh, unopened, and you hear that crack as it as he, and you just think, oh, this guy's so cool. Right. He's drinking from a new bottle. Like who wouldn't do that in the first place? Oh, I thought it was going to be poisoned or something. I don't remember. Well, just in case it was poisoned. Okay. Yeah. He he didn't drink out of the one. Anyway, so this is this is the original James Bond one. 
Uh, this is Stoli. Have you tried it yet? No, I didn't okay. know whether we were going to just so this dive is a little, in. This little Stoli over ice. Okay. And this is a um, neutral grain spirit. All vodkas are mm. typically what they call a neutral grain spirit. A vodka is just a high high percentage alcohol with, with no taste. That's all vodka is, really. And um, The name means water. What's that? Vada. Vada means water. Vodka is right? like little water. That's right, water. yeah. That's right. Which I think is a lot of, isn't whiskey... Water of life. Yeah, like water of life. That's in uh, Gaelic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is pretty. Yeah. Pretty common. Um, aquavit. Aquavit. Yeah. Aquavit. Water of life. Yeah. Water of life. Not um, that I've ever had aquavit. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like vodka? Aquavit's well. Aquavit's a little bit different. It actually, uh, aquavit actually has spices in it. There's like, uh, um, oh, what's the uh, what's the spice that you put in like Italian sausage? The um, mm. uh, the the Italians or spice? I don't know. Sorry. It tastes like licorice a little bit. Um, anise. anise. Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of anise in it. I've had ouzo and rocky. Yeah, it's not that bad. I had ouzo and yeah. Greece and rocky and yeah, turkey. And it was the exact same thing. Uzo's and you like, get killed for telling people that, I imagine, in Greece. That's drinking black black licorice right there. But yeah. So vodka is just a, it's a neutral grade spirit. It's got no taste. Um, it's not supposed to have a taste. If it has a taste, then it's usually it's a little bit of... A whiff of doctor's office. Whenever <laughs> right. I drink a yeah, little bit of vodka. sterilization. Although I have to say, I haven't had vodka straight in years, mm-hmm. um, and this is better. Maybe I've just matured, but I, I don't mind sipping. It's watered down a little bit. It's not bad. It at is all. water. We're letting the ice melt yeah. into it a little bit. So. Um, gin. I've had my manhood tested by Russians several times, and oh, been forced to drink lots of vodka. For the wife's family. My manhood was found wanting. <laughs> yeah, so. It was found wanting. Yes. Um, so gin, all they do is they take essentially they take vodka. Uh, what's well, going to be vodka, and they infuse it with juniper berries, juniper and berries, like that, and yeah. other stuff like that. And that's all, all generally is. So it's vodka with that stuff infused in it. And now you see a lot of infused vodkas. So it'll be like strawberry and watermelon, and a bunch of other junk. Um, which you know, if you're on a, a keto diet, is actually kind of helpful. So are we saving a toast for the end? Yeah, we're, we'll we're, we'll we're going to decide whether we're toasting this book at the end, but for now we could just have a toast to drink. We could, yeah. Okay, so, and I'm going to say Nazdorovya. Nazdorovya. There you go. That's is... to health in Russian. Oh, okay. That's what you say when you drink. Makes sense. Okay. So this is actually what's interesting is this would be typical of a really good vodka he would have been drinking after he got out of the gulag. Yeah, there's actually a story in there about getting vodka in the camps. Now I didn't I didn't the get that story because mine people, was the abridged. So. Right, so there's a whole chapter about the camps and the and the sort of towns that grew up around the camps uh-huh. and sort of service the camps. Uh-huh. And he's talking about how there were good people in these little towns. And one of the bits is that uh, they snuck vodka into the um, by by tarring up the top of the vodka bottle and dropping it into a gasoline drum. Oh, okay. And then they could pull it out and have their vodka, you know, just surprised, come out of there uh, to smuggle it into the camp. Did they pay they for it? Vodka. Did the prisoners pay for it or something? Or I don't, did, I got the impression it was like an act of charity for huh. some of the people. Okay. It's one of the rare things where he's talking about, you know, yes, everything's bad, but there are still some good people. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is not a very Russian outlook to think that right, way. Like, right, They can be pretty dour sometimes. But you know, the, What's funny about Russia and vodka, okay, so why do we think of Russia when we think of vodka? Okay. So the first recorded recipe for vodka was written by a Moscow monk okay. named Isidore, I-S-A-D-O-R-E, okay. who uh, penned it in, I think, the 1400s, if I remember correctly. Okay. 
It's going pretty um, far back, like Ivan the Terrible time. Yeah. So, you know, Russia. So, however, we know that that vodka, vodka, was also Poland. It was it was popular in Poland around mm-hmm. that time as well. There's uh, there's books on medicine actually from that time. It was originally thought of as a medicinal, which a lot of spirits were. They weren't really drank recreationally. Again, again the scent of doctor's office yeah, yeah. that you get from. They weren't they weren't really drank recreationally, but it was kind of like you know if you think about it, if you got a tummy ache, or you can't sleep, or just any number of problems. Right. If you get drunk, <laughs> you don't have the problem anymore. Vodka is know? the cause of and solution to right. all of our problems. <laughs> okay, Homer. <laughs> but there's a there's um famously there's a there's a medicinal there's a text a medicinal text I think from Poland, um, and it's dated around the 15th century, um, and it lists vodka, and the the, the remedies that it says is that it it's good for um, increasing fertility. Okay. And uh, awakening lust. Mm. Yeah, there's a quote in, I think it's Macbeth, mm-hmm. where he says that um, alcohol provokes the desire but takes away the performance. Yeah, Macbeth troop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you've ever been to any drunken frat party with uh, vodka, you know the awakening lust. Yeah. And the unfortunate increasing fertility, perhaps too. Sometimes I mm, think that would there, be there are probably a lot of. Yeah results of that as well but that's the that's the origin of vodka um and what's really funny is um the uh the czars actually uh they kind of claimed um the vodka industry they monopolized it okay prior to the revolution and then lenin comes on the scene and bans it outright lenin was actually a prohibitionist hmm. so he banned alcohol and then lenin is offed and then um, the Russian government or the, the communist government starts up production of vodka again as a monopoly, and so sure. they, they have sole control over it. Now, what the what the communists did that I always wondered why more countries don't do this is they when things got bad they would lower the price of vodka mm. to like nothing. Yeah, makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, it could backfire though, right? It people, could. People are really, really miserable and drinking a lot. That could be pretty dangerous. Well, but if you don't, if you don't but care if you about just right, if you don't care about your people. The, well, you know, oh, and, I mean, and, yeah, you want to keep you know. them. You want to keep them drunk and in a stupor, right. you know, and, and keep them from. I guess that's being true. revolutionaries. You know, I guess just, that's true. And be heroes. Then we can just lower the price of vodka for them, and all is well. Yeah, I think there's, you know, definitely regimes today that that lower the prices of certain things when you know usually food though. Lower the price yeah. of food, lower the price of oil. Or give food away know, or something, or like, something that. like that. Yeah. Lower the price of oil. True. Um, so what, uh, I guess, what did we, um, what did we learn? What one? did I learn? Or is there a favorite, actually, what's, what's favorite line or passage? Let's do that one. Oh, I mean, a lot of it, my, some of my favorite parts were all the bits about um, just, just like a laundry list of all the crazy things people went to, went to the camps for, which was you know, we, we talked about some of the best ones. You know, the guy that couldn't quite speak Russian right um, mm-hmm. got sent. You know, the guy that choked Stalin's statue, even right. though he was trying to have a Stalin statue, right, which right. I think would be... Then there's just some really good literature bits. There's some great lines. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a really vivid description. They're, they're standing in the cold and he's reading, um, reading the orders that have come to the camp, like from far away, and everybody has to stand in like the 20 degree below zero... Mm-hmm. 
I don't even remember if that's Celsius or Fahrenheit, but whatever. Mm. It's super cold. Right. And uh, that that was that was a good bit. I like that. Um, I wrote down what page it's on, but it's not. I don't think it's. There's some great lines, and this this is one I'm going to use all the time. By the way, the grass has grown thick over the grave of my youth. I like. I'm that. going to say that to my kids all that. the time. Every time they expect me to, you know, be able to think quickly or move quickly anymore, I'm going to, I'm going to use that line. <laughs> There's a really fun bit that I liked early in the book where they give a speech. It's like it's like you know a thousand people in a crowded theater, and a guy gives a speech and says something good about Stalin. And everybody starts clapping. Oh, right. And no one can stop clapping. Yeah. Because they don't, nobody wants to be the first one to stop clapping. Yeah. So the clapping goes on for like an hour and a half. And I was right. just, that was like comedy, like like black yeah. comedy. Like, that's perfect. I mean, I, right. I, was, I, I was picturing that scene. I was like, that's hilarious. Like, yeah, but that, that's that's where they're at. I mm-hmm. mean, it's... it's. Yep. And no one knows, you know, no one knows. All uh, praise to the, you know, to the, the tyrannical dictator. And the do, you have any, do you have any passages that you really like? Um... Well, first of all, Dave came prepared with friggin' notes. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I'd be standing here with my mouth open, hanging open with nothing to say. Complaining about me, notes, right? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I don't. I can't remember all the specific passages, but you know there was a recurring theme kind of throughout, and it was that you know once you stop really caring, they can't do anything to you. Right. Once you stop. Worrying about, and this is actually this is a theme that started at the beginning, right, all the way through, was, you know, people would would come in, they'd be locked up, they'd be taken to a prison first or a jail right. first right. before they'd be sent off to the gulag, and they'd be you know put down in front of the uh, interrogators, and um, they would you know they would cry and they would plead and all this other stuff, and it's because. And the first thing everyone asks is, what for? Yeah, what for? I didn't do it, whatever. Nobody knew. Nobody Nobody had any idea what they'd been arrested for. But the moment you realize that you're never going to see your wife again, you don't have any possessions anymore, Mm -hmm. like the moment you realize that, they can't do anything to you. Right. Right? Because they can't take anything away from you because you've already already given it up. You're okay with it. Yeah. That's fine. It's one of the things I wrote is Janis Joplin. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing left to lose. Right. And uh, and, and that runs all the way to the end. And at the end… He's talking about prisoners who have, you know, we don't care. You know, what can, what more can you do to us? Yeah. You know, and once you come to that point, like, I don't care. You can shoot me. I don't. Right. I really don't care. Or did they, you get the they, bit about they have no control over you then? There's a couple of bits. There's, there's some people that remain communists throughout being in that. Yeah. They think they're right. going to get an amnesty. They think yeah. they're going to somebody's going to set, set things straight. One right. woman was writing letters personally to Stalin. Yeah. Like yeah. well into the 1950s. Well, and they would argue. They would argue with the rest of them too. They would mm-hmm. say, you know, you know, shut your mouth. You know, the party knows what it's doing. Blah blah blah. They must mm-hmm. have a reason for for this stuff. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's that's uh I mean that was a that was a really really powerful part you know as far as I was concerned it was um it really kind of summed up I mean it really summed up I guess the old the greatest power they had the greatest power that you have mm-hmm. you know in your life it's almost like your dignity you know I mean that's what it really comes down to yeah. because material possessions are meaningless right it, sure. it, it all it, it all it's centered in, in, in you, I guess. But he does talk about material possessions quite a bit. There's a lot of stuff about people having their coats taken, their boots well, taken. You know, I, I, I mean, they're that, practical. They're but practical I think that's different than material, materialism, you know. materialism, which is something that they were against, right? The mm, communist right. regime 
was against materialism, right? Because we yeah, don't in the sense of consumerism, like right. we talk about. There's a whole materialism right. doctrine. In but I mean, having shoes when it's you know 20, 20 below and stuff. It's pretty practical. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, practical, it's, it's and I think that's different. You know, because they talked about you know thieves stealing it from other prisoners and stuff. Yeah, like the that. thieves are the thieves are a good bit. That that stuck yeah. in my head. Like, I was just picturing, and, and they're considered the socially friendly. Yeah. Right. There's. <laughs> There's the there's the fifty eights, yeah. The Zex that are political prisoners. Mm-hmm. This is most people, and then there's just the thieves, the people yeah. that are in jail for being thieves. Right. You know he describes them. He describes them like the way people talk about the Roma. You know, they're just by character. They're just people that that they're steal. Just, yeah, they che- just steal. Cheap and, lie, and you're like, but they get a, a break. They get a break from the officials. They get a break from the officials because yeah. they need them. They're sort of like they regulate the prisoners. Sort of. To some extent. And, and all, 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 almost like the Roma, like you say, it's just. Yeah, there's no helping them. That's just how they're going to be. Thieves are going to thieve. Well, I mean, like the attitude towards yeah. them, not the reality of what Rome are like. But the, please send your letters to Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I didn't mean that. I, was, I meant the attitude as well. But I mean, the, um, it, I mean, if you're looking at a, at a at a philosophy that is anti-materialistic mm-hmm. anyway, right, um, or anti-private property, right? Correct. The, the whole divide, and people get this wrong all the time. So hear me out and write this down, everybody out there. The difference between socialism and capitalism mm. is that socialism doesn't believe in private property. Right. Everything's shared, especially owned by the state or by the right. people. And capitalism is private property, right. possession of private property. So, yeah, they're against private property. So a thief is like almost like a necessary yeah. middleman well, to take li- things it, away It from liberates you. the private property That's for right. the people who shouldn't have it in the first place. Yeah, essentially. You know, and, and so they were, they were looked at as like... Helpers, almost. Or yeah, something they're socially like friendly. Yeah, they're socially yeah. friendly. They're they're bad people, but they're at least they're not political prisoners. Right. So, and there's really he talks a lot about. I think there is a, and in lots of cultures this is true. There's a fascination with and a romanticization of, of thieves mm-hmm. in Russian culture, mm-hmm. just like there's everywhere. There's like Robin Hood or or the narcos in Mexico or like the mob, the highwaymen, the highwaymen in the, 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 the old literature. Mm-hmm. You know. And the reality is these are horrible people that right. kill and steal for nothing, right. you know, and, and there's, you know, there is a little bit of romanticism. There's the one guy that escapes and then, like, sends a letter. Mm-hmm. You, is that in the bridge? Where, I think there's, so, There's yeah. one thief that gets out by climbing over the wall and then sends a letter, sends postcards back to the yeah, black yeah. for everywhere he's going that, after yeah. that. So that's yeah. fun. You're kind of you're rooting <laughs> right, right. for that guy to some extent. Yeah, I kind of respect him a bit. Yeah, a little bit. So, um, yeah, so... It, what 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 other thoughts do you have? I mean, what's your what 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 like punched you in the gut from reading the book? What what really went with you? All right, so what uh, what just surprised you? It doesn't have to actually be a gut punch. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. Oh but, gosh, um, you had an idea of the book, mm-hmm. and then you read it. What was? Well, you know, I I I'm a bit of a student of history, so I knew a lot of this going into it. Um. I guess to me, well, I was going to say that the ease with which people were arrested, you know, rounded up and put away. Uh, but again, I knew a lot of, yeah. of, yeah. of that anyway. Right. Um, camp conditions, I knew a lot about that. I guess maybe how extensive it was. Um, I mean, the thing that, that, that the author See, is, is the, that the author. Uh, how extensive about, it was is something I want to talk about. Okay. Because I think he's kind of not correct. You think he's exaggerating? I think he's exaggerating the extent of the number no, of people. He, he makes the claim, for might. instance, he says that there are, at one time, uh-huh. 12 to 20 million people in the Gulag. 
mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. That overall, 66 million people were in the gulags. And yet, not at one time, though. O- overall. No, overall, yeah. of course, the whole thing. And I think the numbers are more like a tenth of that in reality. It's a big difference. Yeah. When you look at sort of other sources yeah. about it. Um, and I, I don't want to get in. I don't know the evidence for it. I'm just saying other sources are not crediting that. Because right. my first thought was, like, I talked, to, I talked to my wife, and she was said, yeah, one guy in her family who got sent to the gulag. Mm. And I'm like, one guy? Mm. And there were 66 million people in there. I'm like, right. usually you're getting a sense of anecdotally. She, aren't they Ukrainian? They're Ukrainian, but that's the Soviet okay. Union. So well, people yeah, were, yeah, were is, definitely but, arrested from the but, Soviet but, Union. But the, the point and is, they lived in Tajikistan. Her grandfather was from Tajikistan. And they lived in Kazakhstan during the war. But didn't, okay. To escape. They escaped Odessa when the Germans and Romanians but came. But the, so. there's that, that, that um, the whole chapter about countries in exile where, you know, he... he if you're from a certain country, he just everybody from that country has to go. Right, um, right. You couldn't do that to the Ukraine, right? Too many people, but you could do it but, to, like I said, like the Chubash well, people, Lithuanians, like Lithuanians to yeah. some extant, yeah. Jewish people in general, yeah, Jewish were treated very harshly. Yeah. Although my wife's take on it was that they weren't treated that badly; that they just kind of were far away from things and yeah. didn't didn't get affected terribly badly, huh. except of course by the Nazis invading. Right. But, um, so it's it's one of the things that I've noticed about this book is, you know Howard Zinn, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that like writes these books. They're almost like an alternative history of the United States mm-hmm. of America. Right. And it's, nothing in it is wrong. It's all factually true. And it is, it is definitely one version of the history of America. But it's only one part of it. It's right. mostly negative. Mm-hmm. And the negative stuff is all 100% true. You know, he, I, I would imagine one of his big points would be America has always been a racist country. It's true. It's not okay. wrong. But I don't know if it characterizes the whole experience of America. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying there's about a, this. Is a lot it's of like with that, but. there are gulags. Mm-hmm. It's real. Lots mm-hmm. of people died in them. But lots of people from the Soviet Union. This was not their primary experience of living in the Soviet Union. Well, I mean, they he, carried on their lives. But, but he mentions many times that it was that nobody knew. Right. You know, I mean, that nobody in the Soviet Union even knew about it. Which they, is they the fundamental everything problem. Covered up. If there's 20 million people in the camps, how could nobody know? That's like 20% of the people, sorry, 10% of the people in Russia in the camps mm-hmm. at any one time and nobody knows about it, I think the numbers are off. I don't know. You know? Russia's a pretty big country. It's a big country, but it's like 200 million, a little bit less than 200 million people at the time we're talking about. Okay. Maybe like 150 million people. It's or something. easy to lose so, people. But 20 million of them. That's I a think, lot. I think it would be, actually. I think it would be easy enough to, to lose that many people. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about a time, there's no social media, no email, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're barely, and we're talking about a country that's barely out of telegrams. Most right. people, you know, don't have telephones. Uh, they have you radios. See, you see the bit where, where they lost the radio in the camp, and he was so happy not to have the radio. No, they tried to punish them by taking oh, yeah, away, yeah, yeah, by yeah. taking away yeah, their radio yeah, broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Those, right, you know, right. the glorious socialist yeah. revolution. He was like, "Thank God, I don't listen <laughs> right. to that radio." You know, right, and like, when they they had the like, nice days, in the they camp. had like a town radio. You know, like small yeah. towns would have yeah, a yeah. radio, and some yeah. of the places. Were so remote. Some of the camps were so remote mm-hmm. they could get the Western radio, right? Because the jamming mm-hmm. wasn't effective outside the big cities, right? So if you were way up in Novaya so, Zemlya or something like that, so I think it'd be easy to lose twenty million people in a huge country. Yeah, I mean know, it's and 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 I think it's possible. I think it is possible. Well, it it, it, it struck me as a contradiction mm-hmm. to say that there was this gigantic number and that nobody knew. So that's why I did a little outside research about the sure, numbers. And I sure. Was, yeah. Okay. I mean it's. Probably not that high, yeah. but 
You know, I, I mean, I don't know if it is. Wrong. Even even the, even the other sources, though. What what is the number that I said? So, eighteen million over the course of the of the of, of the Soviet Union in the camps. Mm-hmm. That's a gigantic number, mm-hmm. and one point five million of those died. Mm-hmm. That's a huge number. Yes. So I mean, we're not talking. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not something real. It's like I said about the Howard Zinn stuff. Yeah. There's the, the KKK is a reality. Lynchings right. are a reality. That's part right. of American history. But it's a conclusion you, know? you draw from that. But it's the though. conclusion you draw yeah. from it and the and the weight you give it in terms of like this is what the Soviet Union was. Right. Right. You know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. There's there's two ways of looking at it. Right. And a lot of the people I know from the Soviet Union, this is not their primary experience and historical memory mm-hmm. of the Soviet Union. It's real. They talk mm-hmm. about it. They, they they knew it was there. You know, the KGB followed people and stuff like that. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's reality, but it's complicated, I guess. So, all right. Let's um, get some another drink. Yeah, let's get some more. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Yes, that's right. And that the last one really was about half a shot. So half a shot. Okay. But if you want to throw some ice in there, and then we'll do a just a real quick stir. I don't have a way to get ice other than just scooping. So I'll just scoop. That's fine. This is meal. Yes. Over-prepared with ice. Okay. People are going to hate this. What? The sound of drinks being made? Well. That's a nice sound, isn't it? It is a nice sound. There's some ambient noise. It's not a bad thing. So. um, I notice this is no longer half a shot being poured into these glasses. That's not half a shot, no. Yeah, this is a little. Um, So, you know, martini originated early 1900s. Okay. Um, We're not quite sure where or how. Uh, What's the etymology of martini? Why do they call it a martini? I think it had to do with the guy's name. Okay, okay. Um, Not the like martini and Rossi or something. No. What's that? I don't know what that is. That's just a name. Italian name. Yeah. Um, I'm not, so I'm I'm stirring these. Okay. Well, we're not going to shake them. No, we're not going to shake them. And, uh, What's your opinion about that? The shake and not stir thing? That's not real. Nobody would know the difference between those two things, right? Taste the drink, you wouldn't know whether it's been shaken or stirred. It just makes them sound cool. Well, okay. So, difference is, if you shake it, okay. you water it down. You're diluting it more. Okay. Okay. Which, um, the theory was that, that, going back to James Bond again, mm-hmm. the theory was he did that so it would dilute his drink, he wouldn't get as drunk, tipsy, or whatever. Right. So I thought the whole point was that he could drink tons and not get drunk because he was such a badass. Well, I don't know. I mean, okay. I've just saw you the theory. So shaken, not stirred, you make it super cold. And if you ever have, have you ever had a really good shaken like martini? I'm not a martini guy. I mean, right, I, so I evident as evidenced by the fact that I didn't yeah. know he drank vodka. I thought he drank. Harry's gin. New York bar in uh, in New York, actually from Paris. <laughs> you go to a New York, make you a, a good twenty five dollar shaken martini. And I mean, there's a layer of ice on the very top. It is so freaking good because it's so damn cold, mm. right? Um, having it with ice, oh, people hate that. Before we drink, Nazdorovia. Nazdorovia. So purists are going to hate that because it's got ice in it, but it's good. You ever seen Groundhog Day? Yeah. You know when she has that, her favorite drink is a... Is a sweet vermouth mm-hmm. yeah. with a twist on the rocks. Right. We made those at home. That's a terrible drink. That is a, <laughs> that's a, very good. The look on Bill Murray's face when he drinks that drink uh-huh. finally, that's what that drink tastes yeah. like. He's yeah. right. I don't know what. Yeah. That is a bad that's drink. Not, that's, anyway. not a very, that's not a very good drink. Well, vermouth is, is not meant to be 
drunk by itself. Yeah, no, you wouldn't drink that. What is vermouth? What's it? Is it a what do we call it? A liqueur? Or a... Yeah, it would be. It would be a liqueur. It's not something we really drink. Let's see. And there's dry and sweet. And sweet vermouth. Okay. Yeah. So. And this is dry. Uh, do, 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 do. 1786, Antonio uh, Benedetto Carpano invented the first vermouth for more than two years. Layers of this type of drink, one of the most demanding professions. It sounds like Clint's reading from the bottle, but that's actually just how he talks. When <laughs> uh, you know, it's an, it, I guess you could classify it as an aperitif. Um, okay. It's Italian. Italians dig their aperitifs. Okay. Um, sweet or dry. Um, so you're supposed to drink that before you eat, essentially. Afterwards. Afterwards. Oh, but, I thought was after. Uh, digestif, yeah. My mistake. What was that? Aperitif? Huh. Why did I think that was before? I thought I thought aperitif was. Before. We'll edit this so we don't sound like such dumbasses. No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> no. I think, I think it's good that we're learning on the fly. It's fine. See. I think a digestif is after you eat. Yeah. Because it helps you digest, digest right? right? Or I guess maybe you could drink it beforehand. To help you digest. But oh, you're right. Aperitif is before a meal to stimulate the appetite. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, aperitifs are usually sweet, I think. And are they? Well, I mean, is it dry vermouth? I mean, they're all liqueurs, right? Dry is vermouth is not, not it's sweet. Not, no, it's not sweet. It's kind of funky tasting. They're usually just spirits with um, a little bit of aromatics in them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in, uh, there's another one called Fernet. Um, that's, Where did uh, I read about that? I read about that in some 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 book I read. Somebody had Fernet is a Fernet and a Sazerac. Ugh. Oh, Sazerac's not a good drink. You don't think so? I, I lived in New Orleans for three years. And I had a couple of Sazerac. That's not maybe. How could I, you not? Like a I was Sazerac? in my 20s. Maybe my palate wasn't very sophisticated at the time, but that was not oh, something that I enjoyed. The Sazerac. So. Oh, rinse it with absinthe. Oh, rinse it with Fernet. So, one thing I noticed about the book is uh-huh. how influential it was. Even though I kind of only barely heard of it, I'm okay. only kind of familiar with the title before reading it. And by the way, I never mentioned my biggest surprise mm-hmm. is that this was a nonfiction book. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I read One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, which is a narrative dramatization yeah. of a guy's it's day like in me- camp. It's like a memoir. Yeah, like a memoir. It's, a, it's fictional, though. It's not a real person, but it's, yeah, it's like a memoir of a fictional person mm-hmm. in the camps. And I just sort of thought this was a yeah. an eighteen hundred page version of that, and yeah. it's not. It's a it's a work of nonfiction. It's just it's just a whole bunch of data put together. Not data. You know but what? I guess that that anecdotal way I, information put together okay. to make a huge point. You know? Let's circle back to this surprising thing. I you know his writing style was mm-hmm. really surprising. Yeah, because it was good, bad. What's your take? Well, away? it was it it was interesting. It worked. Okay. You know? So what he does, he he likes to address the reader. A lot throughout. Do you, do you know what I got tired of was the long passages in the second person. You yeah. do this, you do that. Yeah, you do this. You right, do. I right. was like, okay, seriously, move on. Like, I but knew but he's writing. He's writing to to fellow country people. I mean, country people. Right. And right. You know, um, he's not writing to us. I mean, we don't know what the hell he's talking about. Was right? he though? Wasn't he writing to the West though? I mean, well, I, there there were it got to the West. It had its huge impact on the West. I don't know. The West was an audience because he criticized the West. And he said, you know, he kept talking about how the West really didn't care about him. They say they, right. they cared about freedom, but yet yeah. they, they left him in this 
this tyrannical situation, you know. So, well, what the hell is um, the West going to do about that? Yeah. Well, they could have. I mean, well, he talks about like, for example, when uh, when that there was a Russian prisoner that went AWOL uh, in the Korean War and went to South Korea, and then he got sent back by the Marines because mm-hmm. they wanted to be friendly with Russia. You know, so oh, that kind yeah, of, there you know, stuff, people in that situation. stuff like that. There was a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, I think one of the biggest things about this book, I think you could argue mm-hmm. that this book. And I'm only realizing it, having read it now and thinking about it, is that this book is what formed the perception of the Soviet Union and communism in the West, going from the 70s on, mm-hmm. when it became widely read. Before that, communism and Marxism and stuff like that was seen as being like, like it was a legitimate alternative, like an argument the world was having between these two things. And I think as the 70s and 80s went on, this mentality about what mm-hmm. communism was took over, in large part because of this book. Yeah. And you see the influence of this book and the descriptions of things. And like, I made some, like, I, I, some things that I thought of, like, did you ever watch Red Dawn? Yeah. So, like, Red Dawn. Best already, movie ever made. Oh, I mean, I loved it. It won, I loved uh, that it won movie. Academy Award. I love that it's movie. The best it movie it. ever made, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. They give that one. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot they started giving that one yeah, for best that movie one. ever made. Yeah, that one. Um, I yeah, Highlander, anyway, Highlander got the Loved year. that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Highlander was the most, is yeah. probably, yeah, second best movie ever made. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one we should do, by the way. Uh, but there's like the guys in the camps, uh, you know, uh, and there's, there's the, just everything about it. You can see it's drawn from this description oh, yeah, yeah, of what yeah. communism is like, you know. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other things I was thinking about. Like, I mean, just different uh, uh, di- different different sources where, you're, where, where this is the image that's being drawn mm-hmm. of things like that. Like, um, I can't think of the other descriptions I was thinking, but yeah, Red Dawn was one thing. Oh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I, I not thought about that one communism. Too. No, yeah. I thought about that too. Did you? Because it's yeah, totally. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, well, I think Stephen well, King must have read this and then that's, used I, a whole bunch. of I don't stuff. know about Stephen King, but I think the the director of that movie because it's the, in the book. I read the, the book Shawshank yeah, Redemption. Yeah, it's a short story though. It's very the no, re, it's a novella. Re, Rita Hayworth. And yeah, the, it's about Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it's not. There's. It's not long enough to develop into all that stuff that only your your soul flies free and they can't lock up your soul. All that stuff. All that stuff, I, I every time I think I was, this is a huge influence. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was reading totally. this and I was thinking Shawshank Redemption as well. But you know what's funny about this? So I, I, I am in squarely in academia. And I know so many academics who... I, I know, I literally know a guy who has a, a Marx... You know those little, those little rubber duckies? And they make them in all kinds of different characters. Mm-hmm. He has a Marx rubber mm-hmm. ducky. And he was mm-hmm. so proud of having the Marx rubber ducky. Yeah. Um, he's gonna give it to his kid, right? Right. I'm so proud of that thing, and it's always about. Well, it's not that communism doesn't work. It was this, just that they were corrupt in the USSR. Communism works, but they were this one was corrupt. If we tried it again and we made it not corrupt, it would work that time. Like right. that's that's this weird attitude they have that that. Well, that's the thing I kept thinking about with the rule of law. I think I was talking about that earlier. Where like you just don't have rules, mm-hmm. you get picked up and you just they're just like you're you're going to jail mm-hmm. and you're like well can I can I appeal it do I get a trial oh. they're like no this is basically there's no lawyers there's no there's no guarantees of civil right. rights or anything like that and I was thinking is that necessarily part of a communist country because it, it wouldn't was that corruption? you could have rule of law oh okay no no corruption probably okay. would set in there's too much well, power there's too much power in the hands of the people well you could you, you could say China. But, has rule China of law. does sort of have rule of law. But it they implies make... it's when I think of China, I think the way China works is 
for Chinese people, for Han Chinese people, right. there's rule of law. Right. A Han Chinese person mm -hmm. cannot just be arrested for nothing. Right. If you're a Uyghur, mm -hmm. you can be arrested for nothing. That's, you can be forced to go to see, a camp. The, and, and that's your the wife problem. will be gang raped that's in front of problem. you. That's the problem. Is, look, if you fit into this group, right. no problem. Fit in this group, you're screwed. You know? Right. And But to play devil's advocate, that's uh -huh. what our country was like until the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. Well, no, if you're you right. If you were a member I mean, of some groups, you no, didn't count. You, you, no, the, you're, the, the you're law absolutely did not right. Apply. You're absolutely right. But the law changed, right? The law changed. That's right. And, and, that's the difference. And the law is now enforced, right? That's right. And we are going through more law changes to ensure that there's more equal rights. And the so difference is in our country when people started talking about that and put that forth and showed that that was a problem, that adaptations were made mm -hmm. and things changed. Right. Not perfect. Not saying it's perfect, but of course not. things changed. Yeah. Whereas this country just fell apart. Yeah. These kinds of things were pointed out. The, the, the corruption and the rot in the system was pointed out, and the country just fell apart. But but the the reason that the the rottenness was there and that it was sustained mm -hmm. was to sustain the leadership. It became sure because like the people in power don't want to give power because if you if you don't if you're not in power, you're just like all the other common folk, right? Well, you don't have crap. Yeah. I mean, most of the people, nobody in Russia had anything, you know, unless you're one of the top dogs. You know, and then you get double pay, and they make all these excuses to give you bonuses and sure, blah blah yeah. blah. You have big houses and stuff and big That's cars, right. right? Yeah. And um, well, there were a lot of people in America that didn't want to give power up. Didn't want. There are a lot of people that didn't no, want they, to live they, in. A, they didn't, but didn't but want law, to live in a system that wasn't white supremacist. But laws did change, though. Laws changed. You know? That's right. And That's and right. in and in a place like you know the USSR, they would change the laws to make sure they stay in power. You know, and, and mm -hmm. keep keep it corrupt. And I think this may sound self serving, but I think a big part of it is that we have lawyers. We do. Lawyers come in, and if somebody's you know having their rights challenged, yeah. there's a lawyer that comes in to support them, and a lawyer that's against them, and we have an adversarial system of law yeah. like that. So no one side ever wins. But you have to be able. I mean, you have, to have, a, you have to have a system that actually listens to the lawyers. That's right. So, that's yeah. right. And this there's a, there's a part in the beginning here where he reports, I think, like the transcript of one of the last trials where they actually allowed lawyers to show right. up, and it was just a farce. Yeah. You know, the, the so-called, I guess this would be the defense attorney, essentially, yeah. was just, didn't want to come across as arguing with the prosecutor too much and was pointing out things for the prosecutor to help him get the guy <laughs> right. in chance, right. and it was a joke because right. the adversarial system broke down. Right. That guy was not really fighting for his client. Right. He was just... A tool of the state. Well, the, the, yeah. Everybody the was conclusion the was always, already drawn before the trial began. Like, this right. is what's going to happen. Right. It didn't matter. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Our, ours isn't perfect, but I think it's... No, it's not perfect. Uh, a hell of a lot better than this one, and, and, and probably yes. better than... Look, all governments are made by people, and people are imperfect, right? And so, mm -hmm. no matter what we do, they're always going to be imperfect. So... Um, there's nothing we can do about that, but okay. So, what were we talking about? Well, we're just kind of we're just kind of riffing uh -huh. on communism, and uh, we started out with talking about like Red Dawn and some of the other. Oh things. yeah, so, Red Dawn. Oh, you. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I was thinking about this. Yeah. Do people in schools today still read the great works of like anti-communist literature, such as like Orwell, especially? Like we read those. Yeah. I read those when I was a kid, and it's yeah. like to some extent you'll always be skeptical of this kind of thinking. Once you've read Animal Farm, 
Right. You know, and that impacted me as a child. I was probably 10 or 11 that, years that old. I, I, I don't know. You know my I never read the Gulag yeah. Archipelago. It's too right. long. We can't assign this book in, <laughs> right. until anything in college. But we read 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, what other what other books were there like that? I mean, those are the big ones. The Orwell ones are the really big ones. Um, Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. I actually yeah. somehow managed to never read. But same thing. But that's more of an anti-fascist. Mm-hmm. But it's all, you know, kind of toss them all into the same. Right. A lot of the same powers that allow fascism allow communism. They're they're, they're not as different as right. you would think. You know, there's a breakdown of the rule of law, and there's the a, end always seems to kind of the be end the same. seems to be pretty yeah. much the same thing. Yeah. That's right. But no, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I don't teach. So I don't, I don't teach at that level, and I don't teach literature. Um, but I mean, like high school kids, are they still reading these things, no or are idea. we just? I have no idea. I guess it's not as important today. We're not we're not locked well, in a we're not locked in a life and death struggle with communism. That's true. To dominate well, the planet, really true. You know, so it's not. Yeah, there, there there seems to be a shift in priorities. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna What are we gonna teach? And actually, that's kind of a good segue into something that I wanted to ask about, which was, can you equate this story to anything today? Well, I talked about what's going on in Xinjiang in China, mm-hmm. where. Um, Uyghurs, you know, they're in these they're in these camps. They're not death camps. Mm-hmm. They're not killing people. But that we know. Of. There are the, widespread stories of, like I problem, said, like yeah, the women there being raped yeah. to, to, to get them to do what's well, sterilized. They, they take people and they force them to memorize entire speeches and writings of Xi Jinping mm-hmm. in Mandarin to force them to learn Mandarin and the ideology of the state. Right. These things fit very well into yeah. the Soviet Union. It's limited. It's a racial minority. It's not happening to everybody in China, but it's pretty dark. It's there pretty, are also work camps. There are work camps, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, re-education camps. Well, they're making it work all the time. Yeah, I think it's mostly about re-education. I don't know if I've heard a whole lot about. Yeah. Is that they're not like building iPhones and stuff like that? I don't think. I don't. I don't. I haven't. I haven't heard anything about. That. No, it's, I think it's fairly. Uh, I mean, it's not that sophisticated. It's not. It's not technologically, like that. Um, but they are doing. I mean, they're doing things like weaving rugs. I mean, there's there's stuff they are doing that is coming to the Western mm. uh, world. Did you see? Um, it's being sold. Oh my God! What's the What's the Disney movie? Mulan. Yeah. And at the At the end of Mulan, it's like thank you to yeah, the government of Xinjiang yeah. for. I was yeah. like, that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of that's weird. rich, you know. All right. So this is this is kind of the analogy that I drew, and just just tell me what you think about this. Cancel culture. Uh huh. Yeah. Just sure. that. Yeah, well, I was thinking about, um, uh, I haven't really weighed in on this with friends. I cannot stand talking about politics with people on the internet right. in the written form. I like talking to people face-to-face about politics, yeah. as long as I think they're being... Why not? You can get so much done. Oh, you get Especially so much on done. Especially on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, where oh. everybody can see what's yeah, being written. Absolutely. Everyone's got their back up. And right? Angry. Yeah. That's a terrible format. Everybody's an expert. Discussion. But <laughs> I, wanna, and I, I was just reading through a discussion about like what happened to Gina Carano, um, you know, which... I don't really know what my take on that whole situation. But anyway, I saw somebody actually say she was given multiple chances to re-educate herself. Ah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we should yeah. we should get some kind of a, of a place where we could put all the people yeah. that need to be re-educated right. and, and just, like concentrate yeah, and teach them, them in that yeah. place. Yeah. You know, concentrate them. them in one place to be re-educated. Them. Yeah. I'm like, do you not hear? For their own good, they can work. You know, yeah, you know, for their yeah to, to liberate themselves, they can work right. Yeah, right. and it's again, it's a, it's about the question of the rule of law, you know, because right. this is not state action. The state's not canceling these people, right? So to some right. extent, it's like okay, you know, Disney can do whatever the hell they want. Mm-hmm. They're a company; they can fire somebody sure. that doesn't doesn't put their brand forward. Right. I guess I'm okay with that, 
But at the same time, generally speaking, I like people to say whatever the hell they want right. and to not be forced to to go into line. Not that I agree with, I think, almost anything she said. A lot of what she said was not stuff I'm particularly impressed with. Sure. But it's a free country. Right. You know, so. Should be. Um, should yeah. be, yeah. Well, it is. It is, you know. But private action sometimes rises to the level of almost being like public action. Mm-hmm. If it's so powerful, you know, like taking away people's jobs because of their free speech at some right. point. Well, I mean, like, for instance, let me let me backpedal a little. When African-Americans were banned from going to diners mm-hmm. in the South mm-hmm. or, you know, all kinds of other businesses and things like that, mm-hmm. it was private action. Mm-hmm. These are private diners saying you can't come to the diner. Right. So on one hand, you think to yourself, okay, you just don't ever go to that diner. Everybody boycott that jerk who runs the diner, you know. But when it's systemic and so across the board, every business is doing it, it, all, it, it might as well be government action. Right. These people Absolutely. are being denied yeah. their basic rights. Right. You know, so if you deny people's right to speak, mm-hmm. and it's all private action, taking away their right to speak at mm-hmm. some point, you know, we've got, we've got the same kind of problem. Right. You know, which is not to draw an equivalency between those two things. Although, I don't know, free speech is pretty important. So, Yeah, well, I mean, when you, when you take away anybody's platform for, for, uh, for speech, you're isolating them. You know, mm-hmm. in some type of gulag, you know, and and, and uh, you're probably or radicalizing or them, exiling them, exiling at the very, them. very least. And so what they're going to do is, yeah, I mean, radicalizing. That's that's a good way to put it because what they're going to do is is gather around with other exiles, mm-hmm. right? And uh, talk that's about right. get on the internet in some kind of weird form right. and start saying even right. crazier things than they were saying before, right? I think we should talk to people that, that say things that we don't approve of. I think we should talk to them, try, try to at least push back and let them know what we think of what they think. I think we should just not be scared of it, man. It, well, mean, exactly. I mean, I mean exactly. if look, if your if your ideas are so are are so fragile that somebody saying something against them could turn people away from your ideas, mm-hmm. well, you need to maybe rethink your positions a little bit, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Or, or or come up with reasons why those people are wrong. You know, I think a lot a now. lot of the people I talk to who talk in this line and think in this line, and I, I hope I'm expressing myself right, they talk think that some of that, that some some forms of speech should be shut down, in other words. Mm-hmm. I think they think in the lines of some things are so dangerous that they can't be tolerated. But the problem is who makes that determination? Right. You know? Right. Who says, you know, what if we said, you you're, you say you're a Marxist. Let's say that's too dangerous to be tolerated and now right. you're, you know, you lose your job. And, yeah. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't support that. Right. I would fight for your right to be a Marxist, right. you know. To, 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 as long as you're not taking actions to overthrow the right. government or setting off bombs or things mm-hmm. like the things that actually, you know, the people in Charlottesville, for instance, mm-hmm. did physical things that right. were crimes. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, absolutely. That's not free speech. Right. You know, that's... Yeah. Murder or whatever yeah. it was. A pipe they did. bomb is not free speech. No, a pipe okay. bomb is not right. free speech. And also, some forms of speech, like Oliver Wendell Holmes said, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater okay. because your speech is directly harmful. Mm-hmm. People hear that and they fall over each other and kill each other. Right. So there is a line, you know, but it needs to be defended. Mm-hmm. That line of free speech. I, and I've I've always been a big advocate of free speech. So I mean, in terms of just words. Right. When um. When the Muhammad drawings were done in, I think it was Denmark originally. No, yeah, oh, it was e- Charles. Uh, no, e- oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, Charlie Hebdo. Charlie, Charlie Hebdo. Hebdo. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. So, a lot of a lot of Muslims that I know, they said, "Well, you know what? You can't say that there was no Holocaust." 
So why can't we make a law that you can't drive Muhammad? And I said, what are you talking about? You can say there was no Holocaust. Right. You cannot say that in Europe. You can go to jail for saying the Holocaust really? didn't happen. Now, Just so, for yeah, saying that. Yeah. Which clearly is an abominable yeah. and worthless position to, yeah. to, sta- to state. But I would defend your right to say that right. dumb, dumb thing. France is like that too. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I think it varies from country to country. Germany clearly is more firm about these things. You cannot sell. One of my friends um, ran a store, like doing consignment for people's antiques and things like that. And he just said, "There's a rule: you can't sell anything Nazi related. Can't sell an Iron Cross or anything online." Okay, whatever. That's that's. that's Granted, most of the people that would want to buy it would be creepy people, right? You know, who should be on somebody's watch list somewhere, but. It's just a thing, you know. It's yeah. just a symbol. Like I, I don't know. Huh. So. No, that's you know, it's a, it's a. God, it's such a complicated thing. It's so much more complicated than than. You know, a newscast or anything like that um, could could make it out to be. I think I think, for me, gulag. Um, or Chipotle, whatever. <laughs> Archipelago. Okay, or that. Yeah. Um, archipelag. Is, it's a joke in Russian, you know. What's that? Gulag, archipelago. They they have the same oh, sound, yeah, yeah. and it kind of the sound is preserved oh, in English. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, yeah. but you don't hear it right away the way you do right. in Russian. Like it's. But it, to me, it, it really was it, like the more I read it, the more I thought it was a metaphor for our culture. Like, if a prisoner of the gulag was sent away, mm-hmm. and, he, and you're, he's never heard from again. His life is over. Uh, you know what he used to do uh, to make ends meet. I mean, he could have been a he could have been a professor. He could have been an engineer, mm-hmm. or you know, he could have been a farmer. Whatever. That's all gone. It, it, he can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he's done, he, then he's exiled for life. I mean, so even after he's served his time, he's exiled. Even after he, he says, "I'm sorry," you know, I shouldn't have done that. If he confesses. Okay, even after you confess, they still send you to the gulag. Yeah. Okay. How many stars have we seen? Have we seen that said, you know, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. You know, ten years ago or fifteen years ago, right? When I was a kid, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, great. Thanks for the apology. So you're still fired, and we're never. You're never going to work again, ever. You know. There's some pretty extreme examples. Uh, I mean, well, just, right, we're, I guess we're getting kind of off the topic. We, no, I, there I, was. I, I mean, not really. It's not it's really. Related, I think right? to me, it's it's a huge yeah. metaphor for what's happening today. I mean, it's the differences. These people were dying. You know, I mean, there's there's a question of scale. I mean, this, this is a much. Oh, worse yeah. Well, that's obvious. I, well, that's like, why it's a metaphor. It's not right. It's, it's a metaphor. It's not, it's yeah, not it's a one to one. It's a metaphor <laughs> that could be taken too far. You you could read a lot of political literature, and you can get lost in it and mm-hmm. overdraw the analogy to your own situation. You know, right. like, I mean, it's, it's yeah, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I, I yeah. thought about these issues too. <clears throat> sure. There was a guy I read about the other day who was at a conference and a young lady said something about the use of the N-word like in something. And he said, well, you shouldn't say the N-word, except he didn't say the N-word. Oh, that was in New he York said time. the actual no, word, which before, is yeah. a questionable choice. I wouldn't do that. I'm talking about it here and I'm, because I don't want yeah, that yeah. word to come out of my mouth. Sure. So I don't know why he did that. This is a guy who's been working for the New York Times for like 40 years, and his yeah. job was just over. And I'm like, in that context, it doesn't really make sense. You well, reprimand somebody it was for a little bit. Choice. I mean, it was a little like, bit more nuanced than that. It was maybe. Somebody, I, didn't, somebody, I didn't read the somebody, story. He, he, was on, he was on a peer, <clears throat> like, uh, kind of, he was as a... Some sort of mentorship program, right? Right. Yeah. They were in Peru. 
took these high school kids to Peru, and there was a girl about, um, she's a high school girl, um, within the last year, really, that um, had gotten accepted to these, you know, very private, very uh, affluent colleges. I don't mm. know about private, but very good, like Ivy League colleges. And after she got accepted, <clears throat> some kid, uh, one of her classmates, released a video of her saying that she got her her driver's license you in oh yeah, yeah yeah i heard about that or something like that how about that or whatever ha 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 okay so this is like a 16 year old girl who says this right okay this asshole and that's what he is is an asshole waits two years oh i heard this until story, she gets yeah. accepted yeah. and then sends sends a clip to who, who she decides to go to college to and says, is this the kind of person you want in your school? Yeah. And of course they drop her and stuff like that. Yeah. So the 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 person in the New York Times thing, the person was asking about that and said that word. And so okay, the New York right, Times, the, right, the reporter, right, right. the journalist says, okay, did she say N-word? Was she rapping or was she? Or was know, she rapping yeah, and she right. said N-word or whatever? And he said N-word in asking that question. Yeah. Oh my God. This person said that word, blah blah blah, yeah. and then and then, <laughs> and then you know, some some another again some asshole comes back and says, you know, you should do something about this reporter, and so the New York Times uh, publisher says, or editor says, uh, you know, we looked into it, it's fine, we talked to him, you know, it's all fine, and then all of these precious snowflake, rosies. Right. That work for the New York Times, mm. you know, cause a big uproar, and, right. and 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 then and then the quote that comes back is saying, um, the quote that comes back when they fired him was that, you know, we won't tolerate racist language. Context doesn't matter. Right. Right. Okay. Here's a news flash. Which is ridiculous. Here's a news flash. Here's the context. Language is, is yeah. freaking context. Yeah. Okay. Well, language well, without context. Is meaningless. Yeah, There's it's no. Like, it's a bit meaning. like sending somebody to prison for ten years for carrying Stalin's statue the wrong way. Right. Exactly. The, guy, the guy's trying. That's exactly to right. Honor Stalin and have his right. bust in his office, and the way he carried uh, it home got him. You can't years. have language without context. This is a guy. You who can't was, have meaning without context. The guy's sitting you know? in a, con- in a conversation. He's having a conversation about. Obviously, everyone agrees that this word is terrible mm-hmm. and can't be used, and they're talking about that. Right. And he goes to jail. Right. Or not goes to jail. That's the difference. Right? That's. But that's the, state the thing. Doesn't step in and send him to jail. The difference is he's being. Treated. He's been he's been put in jail. His right. his whole reputation is is metaphor. who know metaphor no I mean his whole reputation is screwed. Yeah. So metaphorically is in jail, right? Yeah. But who knows? They might go back and scrub you know anything he's ever done. They might take who knows because they're doing stupid stuff like that nowadays. Yep. You know, and the whole thing. I work with language. I mean that's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You're you know with what you do you work with language and you know that their context is everything. In what is said. Yeah. Context matters more. I mean, context is everything. A single word is, means nothing. Well, this is what happens it's a, when people... It's a signpost for something else. This is, when, this is right? what happens when people are ideological. They yeah. have a tendency to yeah. cling to these, like, just absolute bright line rules about everything. You know, zero tolerance for using that word. Even if it's like a law yeah. that says, don't say that word. Right. You go to jail for having written that law kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's zero tolerance. It makes no sense. Yeah. And this is what happens with ideology. Because ideology, from my perspective, is always bullshit. 
any ideology. Anything that you're clinging to and is always your ideology and is the answer to every single problem is always flawed. Right. Because that's not real life. Real life is not does not lend itself to those kinds so, of... So let, let me ask you a question then. Okay, going back to the book. Mm-hmm. So we probably should, shouldn't we? We probably yeah. eventually. Well, I think I think the book should always be an entrance, or the this thing should, whatever it is we're doing, should always be an entrance to large conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So, but going back to the book, okay. Who are the ideologues in this book? The ideologues weren't the interrogators. The ideologues weren't the bosses at the camp or the guards at the camp. Yeah, they're sort of behind the scenes. Yeah, the ideologues are, are the are the party bosses, right? Right. I don't I don't you know, and and he he says time and time again, or he intimates time and time again that you know, he didn't necessarily know if people really believed the crap that mm-hmm. they were saying. Yeah. But they were saying it. Because right. they had to say it. Because right. if you didn't say it, you're screwed. I like, always just, wonder that. Just like the first I wonder person, that when I hear people. The first person that stops clapping, that's the guy that goes to jail. And by right. the way, that's the guy that went to jail is the first person that stopped clapping after an mm-hmm. hour and a half. Yep. Right? So, so if, is that what we're looking at today? Like, are these really ideologues? Or are these people just going along because they don't want to get sent to the gulag? Well, does the 10th guy... Does the tenth guy standing around the um, standing around the spit that you're roasting a witch on? Does he really believe in witches, or just going along with? Who knows? The effect is everybody's burning a witch, right? Right. So it doesn't really matter, to some extent. But you wonder, and you're right to point it out because I, where does it come from in this context? Where yeah. who are the people setting the rules on this? It's Were almost they, as if it was just this beast that, yeah, was you know coming from nowhere. It just kind of like kept going. You know, mm-hmm. they had no control over it. After it was let out of the bottle, right? It's like the way that ancient people looked at war or something like that, or famine. It's just like this gigantic, you know, embodiment of evil, like rushing forward with nobody able to stop it, doing anything. You know, so hopefully that's not what's going on in America today. I don't, I don't think so. But um, I think we're, I think we're in a little bit of a spasm of, you know, not thinking terribly clearly. And it's on both sides. It's on both sides of the political spectrum. And and I think it'll change. I'm I'm, I'm confident that it'll change. I'm not worried about that. But I mean, we went through this in the 60s, for instance. I think, actually, Solzhenitsyn makes this point. And he makes it in the opposite way that I'm about to make it. He says that a nation, uh, and I don't have the page number or the exact quote, but he talks about the benefits of losing a war. Mm. Like the Russians lost World War I. Right and and the and the trauma it had on their society was like beneficial in some way, which I don't know how he could say that having it turned into the Soviet Union. But we lost Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, or failed in Vietnam. We didn't really. It's not like Washington was in flames from the Vietnamese army marching in. But anyway, yeah. the, the war was a failure, right. and the society had to come to grips with that. And so you have this like chaos. And we just time, had yeah, we just had these two yeah. wars. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Clearly, we defeated the Iraqi army when we invaded Iraq, but. The policy is a failure, right? You know, the country hasn't turned into Afghanistan. Neither is Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah. and the country has to come to grips with that because right. it, it, it makes people question leadership, makes people question authority of any kind. You know, you see this throughout history whenever there's revolutionary epics, including the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like questioning of authority and like changes and things that don't seem to have anything to do with politics, like the way people get married and stuff like that, all shift mm-hmm. after a revolution, and. Um, I think that's what we're doing now. We're going. We're going through a bad period. You know, we're going through like a period where everybody's questioning everything, and there's a lot of radicalism. And I think it'll probably drift away. I imagine once we get out of COVID, the twenties are going to be awesome. 
Everybody's going to be making money. Ro- roaring 20s. Partying. Yeah, the roaring yeah. 20s all yeah. over again. I think we're going by, by, by 2029, yeah. most of this will be forgotten. <laughs> 2029. Yeah. Just nine short years. Well, yeah. eight short years. Eight short now. years. It's yeah. not that far off, right? Yeah. I was telling my daughter, she's she's turning 21 this year. I was thinking, I think this is a good so, time to so turn sorry. 21. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, for her. Great for her. You take know? her to Vegas? You should. Uh, we were going to go to Vegas. We're not going, but. Oh, you should. It got, it got canceled. My you wife had a conference still. in Vegas, oh. and it's, it's remote now. So You should go anyway. Come on. I'm not a big Vegas guy. I know, but I'm not a big Vegas guy. at least you can control her 21, though. So what do you think? Did you like the book? Are you toasting this classic? Am I toasting this classic? Um, we got one more to do, actually. One more drink? Okay. Yeah, finish your... Finish, you got a lot of drink to drink. Not anymore, I don't. Because I got I got a story to tell about this one. Okay. So, a service, uh, some some ice. Okay. And thing uh, here. I bet the scooping of ice sounds awesome on a podcast. But <laughs> I bet that's great. Great pod. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's like you, second you only a, to dead air. You have had a Moscow Mule, right? I have had Moscow Mules. Yes, okay. I like those. That's a good drink. So we're gonna we're gonna make one now. Okay. So that is, I know ginger beer. Um, do you have, what is it, like mint or? I don't have any mint. Okay, so we're just doing, just okay. ginger beer yeah, and vodka. Okay. okay. Just, Fair enough. It's, it's, yeah. And I respect the choice of diet ginger beer. I'm also an old guy that needs to not have any more calories <laughs> than I need to have. Yeah. That is a lot of vodka, my that friend. That is a lot of vodka. We're going to get a lot funnier here on the podcast pretty soon. All right, well, fuck. I mean, shoot. Are we saying that? I didn't know we were saying that. I thought... I this I was a family those, podcast. I don't know how those uh, things work. Gosh darn it. Drat. Dog on it. Zounds. Zounds. <laughs> or is it Zounds? It's probably Zounds. Right. So, Anyways. this is not just ginger beer. This is cock and bull ginger beer. Didn't we just talk about language, Clint? Aren't we, we not going to use that kind of language on this? We did. Cock and bull. I think I said... Bullshit at one point. Well, anyway. So. I said asshole a couple of times. Let's see. Right. Well, forgive don't, us. Don't try it. Yet. Don't try it. Yet. How is it? Oof. It's too strong. Too strong with yeah. vodka. Yes, I saw yeah. that. It's like two thirds vodka. It's a small glass, but still. Can you hold your nose and take a good drink? It's very vodka esque. Yes. Very vodka esque. But it's not, you know, it's not impotable, if that's a word. All right. Non potable? Non potable. So this drink, okay. So the Moscow Mule is first one I ever had was in Vail, Colorado. When very, very memorable, uh, about ten years ago, we were driving through. We ten stopped. years ago, something like that. But you're like forty, huh? You're like forty. Yeah. What do you mean? What Wait until you're thirty to have a Moscow. I've never heard of a Moscow Mule. It's really? First time I've ever heard. Of it. I think it's a Western drink, or it used to be Western drink. I don't know. I'd never heard okay, of one. So, before. okay, the story of the Moscow Mule. Uh, it was <laughs> created in, I'm going to say in the 1950s, and it was, I think it was like 1954, 1955. Okay. okay. And it was the distributor of Smirnoff. Okay. Uh, for the U.S. And the owner of this company, the Cock and Bull Ginger Beer Wait, company. is Smirnoff the vodka? It's from Russia. No, it was Stolich. There was a whole podcast. There was a, like a Freakonomics podcast about the guy that brought Stolichnaya into the U.S. Okay. Well, anyway. Smir- Smirnoff was, was uh, it, it, it's made in the U.S. now. Okay. But I think it was, it was made, 
I don't know if it was made in Russia. It was made in somewhere. It was made somewhere not in America. Okay. Uh, <laughs> once upon a time. That's uh, actually most places. Yeah, right. Weirdly enough, you wouldn't think so. Really? Yeah, it turns no, I, out most places. I, I looked at my map, and that's like yeah. 90% is all America. Yep. Yep. Big Texas is big. Texas is very yeah, big. Did you ever see the, set, uh, the um, SCTV sketch, What Fits Into Mother Russia? Uh, they just had a big map of the Soviet Union, <laughs> and they take things. And they, put they, them. Else put so long, Lone Star State. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the owner of this cock and bull ginger beer company met with the distributor of Smirnoff because Smirnoff wanted they were ver- first starting to import in the U.S. Okay, and they wanted to figure out okay what can we do to make Smirnoff huge? And he said, well, let's come up with a drink. Okay, ah, oh, so ginger beer, nice. your vodka, mix it with some mint, and they made it up. It was like in uh, Connecticut. I think it was in Connecticut. Okay. And, uh, and when did the copper day. mugs come into the story? Uh, who knows? Because those are required now. We're not. We are not. I, I know. I don't think. Mugs. I don't think I was part of the original story. I think no. they just came up with a stupid drink and hmm. as a way to way to do it. And you can look back at like uh, at at Smirnoff uh, Smirnoff ads from like the fifties and sixties, and you'll mm-hmm. see like uh, like all these stars of the, of the age, like Woody Allen, and. You know, all these other stars, and they'll have, like... Speaking of being canceled... Right. Why hasn't he been canceled? His, what, his no, situation? they tried. They tried. I know, but that's pretty That's pretty creepy, right? I mean, that's not not being all that judgmental. To Dude, all Probably. he did was marry his stepdaughter. Come on. That is... Quit being a prude. Yeah. Prude. Yeah. Prude. Yeah, the Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Roman Polanski. Yeah. Those are those are that's even worse. That's I have no problem with him being canceled. That's bad. I don't know which is worse actually. Like if you had to, if you had to. But see, it's not just speech; it's action. It's bad things they're doing. Yeah, that's different. These are these yeah. are these are crimes. I don't know, but the Woody Allen thing probably is not technically a crime. It's, well, according to me, it's, it's, it's a sin against humanity yeah. and like and like all that's right. But according to Rowan, 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 what, what do you what, what's that? What is, Roman Polanski. No, no, no. No, Pharaoh, the, the, his stepson, Mia Pharaoh's son. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about the backstory. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Roman Polanski was that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nazdorovia. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. We forgot. We're getting sloppy yes. here on, yeah, on toasting the classics. No, so my point about the uh, the reason I want to do a Moscow Mule okay. is uh, we're talking about a Russian um, book plus this drink. And the way it okay, the way it came into into America um, was they just very set, capitalist. It sounds like yeah. As as if yeah. you as, as if you were the distributor of Smirnoff, and I was and I own this ginger beer company, right. and you were asking me how can we make Smirnoff right. like, you know, popular in America, and I said let's do this drink, and there you go. So and was, you you create drink. something mm-hmm. to to try to fulfill a consumer need. And if it yes. fails, it dies. Well, Whereas in a command economy, you decide you're digging this damn canal, yeah. and you're digging <laughs> right. the canal even right. if nobody right. needs it. No matter what. And you would never create something like that because nobody could see that that was going to be successful you know before it was made. Vodka is the perfect drink for that. Vodka for, is the perfect drink to, for, for to the, draw that distinction for, between well, the two. No, for the USSR. Think about it. Okay. Think about it. Uh, vodka is a per- perfect drink for communism because there's no taste. Right, uh-huh. uh huh. You get just quality black, of vodka. Black it's usually, just how sick does it make you? Right, right. Like that's, pretty that's much. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you can have like 
lousy taste in vodka and, and it, it uh, still does the job, mm-hmm. right? So it's, quality isn't a, a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, here, you know, in, in the U.S., so what, uh, in the U.S., by comparison, we had rye whiskey, we had uh, bourbon whiskey, we had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that would, would get you lit. But we just have unsophisticated palates. We can't tell the difference between good kinds of vodka, or is it true? I, I think mean, we can. Your palate's no, obviously I th- I think we can. much more sophisticated yeah. than mine, but like when I drink a bourbon, I like it or not. I like right. the taste of that particular bourbon. Yeah. Vodka is just, how much do I feel like I'm in the doctor's office, like I yeah, said? Yeah, but how, how, often how, often do do how often do you drink straight I don't, vodka? I don't. This is the right. first time I've had straight vodka in years. Yeah. had a bad experience with it. So. Really? Oh, yeah. Did it fall down? No, 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 not that bad. It'd be okay. The, uh, there, there were the, 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 I was not taken to a gulag, but there were law enforcement authorities <laughs> involved at the time. So. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, well. Um, okay, any last words? No, well, I, well, the question that I put out there before we had to pour our last drink, are okay. you toasting this classic? I am. You I are? am. Okay. This, so this, this, it opened my eyes. I'd never, I mean, and he he was you know he's right. So he was writing in nineteen sixty like one or two. Yeah, I think it was wrote, a process when, of writing. When he wrote this book, yeah, um, yeah, it's like ten years they yeah. wrote this book. So he was writing in the sixties, and and one of his his main um, not complaints, but uh, one of the things that he 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 mentioned quite a bit was that people just don't know. Mm-hmm. People don't, and, and whether it's 60 million, and I gotta say, like, if it was six million, that's still a lot of people to that's kill. Right. That's right, that's <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If, if, you, if you're gonna kill a lot of people, six million, you know, 60 million, that's a high mark. But to say, I killed six million people, you know, there, yeah, that's, that's a no, lot of people. There's no question, that's what I was saying. The, okay. the 1.8 million dead that Wikipedia yeah, quotes, whatever, you know, that's whatever. enough for me right, to right. think that this was a bad system. Right. Maybe we okay, should have adopted it. 1.8 million of your own people. Of your own people. You right. killed. Right. Okay. Right. So, now, he, and I can see where you say, well, maybe he exaggerated, because he's pissed off. Right. He's been in there, and he hates the system. That's a participatory bias also. And he, he was, was, he was very happy like, that, so. that, that Stalin died. So I mean, he, he did not like the guy. No, you know. So it, it's it's understandable that he would exaggerate a bit. Um, but all that being said, he's right. People don't freaking know. Mm-hmm. People don't. You know, I I don't know. I think a lot of Americans, especially maybe just people in general, don't because everybody knows what happened in Nazi Germany. Right. Right. I don't think people understand that our ally. The Soviet Union yeah. and Stalin, these are our allies. These are people yeah. that were on our side in the war that we probably couldn't have won the war without them, by right. the way. There was, right. I don't right. think there was any chance we were going to defeat right. Germany without the Soviet Union's contribution. Right. So, I mean, that, that they were all, at least almost as bad. Yeah. You know, not, it's not genocide. Mm-hmm. It's not really, there is an element of small scale genocide in the Soviet Union. There yeah. are these, these minority Perhaps. groups yeah, who yeah, are being treated yeah. badly. But the main point is killing millions of your own people. And that, I, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, what happened with the Holocaust is just like a nightmare. Just when you t- your little children being hauled off to gas. I mean, it's it it is worse in a way in that way. Yeah, it's just creepy and industrial and like something straight out of hell, you know. But the numbers of dead is not a big difference, right? You know, there's not the mismanagement and the and the. I mean, we're we're not even talking about the number of people that starve to death because of the collectivization of farms, right? Things like just the gulag system. Yeah. 
that's a third of the people that died in the Holocaust. Yeah. You know? So I don't think a lot of Americans are aware of that. No. In terms, of, in terms of not being aware of things, I don't think they're aware that our ally was really not much better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's a big reason why we ended up at loggerheads with the Russians after the war because they were bad guys. Yeah. They really were. They were trying to expand and take over everything. There's this whole conspiracy theory about Patton. Okay. That he was killed because he what he wanted to do was, was going to to Russia. And just well, nobody was doing just, that. That wasn't happening. Just, that, was, just, that was like MacArthur, same thing. General, General yeah, MacArthur. Yeah, MacArthur, same, same thing. thing. We, weren't, we weren't doing it. Yeah, I mean, Truman yeah, was right. We're not yeah, dropping the bomb on the yeah, Chinese. We're I not know. doing that. That's insane. <laughs> I know. You know. So, I mean, this is not a country that would support a war like that, like preemptively. No, of course not. Massive millions but, but, of, you know. But, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think that was the, that's the one thing that, that this, not the one thing. There's a lot of things this book, this multi-books that, mm-hmm. that you yep. read. Multi-volume series. But the one book, the one book that I read. That once more. Um, the one thing that that it really uh, does is it, it is it kind of opens your eyes to, you know, something you don't know, man. They they don't teach this stuff anywhere. You know they they, they don't talk about this stuff anywhere. Yeah. You know, and like you said, whether it was you know, regardless of how many people. Well, when we talk a, about when we talk about the Holocaust, one of the reasons we talk about it is so much is so that such a thing could never happen again. Right. And we're, you know, I was, I mentioned we don't read Animal Farm, 1984, yeah. Gulag Archipelago, Dan Life of Von Hanisevich. Yeah. We don't read these things anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, to some level, this is not a clear and present danger anymore. We're not facing the Soviet Union. We're not pointing nuclear weapons at each yeah. other and could die any day because of it. Right. But we probably should stay on top of not letting this happen again. Yeah. Right. This kind of thing. I mean, it's going on in Venezuela right now. Over the last 10 years, 10, 15 years. You know, that, that, that's always the interesting part. Like I, like I, I, I said earlier was, you know, I've, I've heard from so many, and I've heard it from people I know that are pro-communism, that, you know, the problem with something like USSR is uh, they were just corrupt. If we could just end that corruption, it would have been fine. It would have worked. Okay. Right. All right. But it didn't work there. Didn't work in Cuba. Uh, it didn't work in Cambodia. It, 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 you know, and on and on and on. Like it, it didn't work in Maoist China. Well, one of the differences we talked yeah. about earlier about how the United States adapted in the face mm-hmm. of its contradictions. Mm-hmm. China did that. The reason why China succeeds today is because they adapted in the face of Maoist failure. Well, yeah, they adopted. Yeah, they adopted yeah. Western practices and, and but the it's kind of the economy but and, for them. It's kind of hard to. To do an about face from the, the however many millions they Mao killed, but they did it. They just they did, they they just said everybody can have a business now. We're no, gonna, no, we're gonna, no. They they did. You know? yeah. They did. But the rest of the world is like, oh, fantastic, Amazon, wonderful. Thank you for making all this crap that we can buy for really cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which I guess is what makes a difference. But that's the adaptation. Yeah. I mean, they adapted yeah. their system. They realized it wasn't right. working, and they went with some of the strengths that we have. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, so it's not good to kill. But anyway, kill I, people. myself, I would toast this classic. I would definitely say it's so. Fantastic. I I, uh, I like the book. I think it's like, and like I said, I was surprised to find it was a work of nonfiction, but it's a powerful work of nonfiction. Yeah. It's like one of these great works that, like, just the writing changes the world. You know. Yeah. You talked about how it took him ten years to write it. The, the book I kept thinking about is The Origin of Species. 
Hmm. And I kept thinking how Darwin like yeah. went on the voyage of the Beagle mm-hmm. and didn't publish the book for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Took it worked on it constantly. Yeah, yeah. And you read the book, and it's 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 like this. It's like twelve hundred pages long. Yeah. And it's just like data after data. Not yeah, data. Yeah. Data is the wrong word, but just just evidence, evidence, proof, evidence, evidence. proof, proof, yeah, proof. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And you read it, and it's compelling because yeah. of it. It's not like Thomas Paine or something like that, which is like it's just so eloquent and rhetorical. Beautiful work that inspires people, or like Harriet Beecher Stowe that pulls at your emotions and changed everybody's way yeah. of thinking about slavery. Like, it's it's just a, a wealth of evidence, and it, I think it changed the global perception of communism in the critical years when communism started to fall apart. Yeah. And I think it's a big part of it. I think that's why he won a Nobel Nobel Prize. Was it for liter? It's for literature, right? It's not a Peace Prize because he's not he's not the right kind of person for that. It but. was, and it was for for like. Um... It was at, I think it was for literature, but it was for the contribution to like freedom, basically right. the fight for, for right. freedom. Right. Yeah. You know what? And I, and I, I have to say this one last thing um, about that. Make a, an analogy um, or use a metaphor for, for today. Have you heard what what uh, Amazon in the last like couple of weeks has done with uh, controversial or conservative leaning? books so no, no, no. oh really with books huh? yeah so so amazon is the you know it's the biggest bookseller in the entire world right i finally found this one by the way at barnes and noble couldn't find this on amazon really not really i no. did uh, well i did found, you get yours on amazon? found the bridge yeah okay. um they about a week ago mm. decided that and they quietly Created a new kind of uh, rule in their guidelines that they will not stock like hateful speech or some bullshit. I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. But who decides? So here's the thing. Right. I mean, in principle, yeah, sure. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see things like yeah. that coming up. Uh, on terrible and... shit. Okay. Yeah. So what they what they dropped? There's a book uh, that was recently written about. Transgender. It was about transgender people. Mm. Okay, and it was written by a, a journalist. I'm, I don't know who. I can't remember her name. My my apologies, but she uh, wrote the book, and, and as a journalist. Okay. Okay, and she didn't wage war on transgender ideology or anything like that. Okay. What she pointed out was that transgenderism has risen in the hundredfolds over the past like couple of years. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. As popular like talk is is coming back. And and she and she talks about a lot of the psychological and medical problems that come along with it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but this is what this is. Yeah, I mean, I think okay. I think where you're going is exactly what I'm saying. Who who makes the distinction, right? Right. Because clearly, this is probably something that would annoy annoy a lot of people, and would be would maybe is maybe it's not even true. Maybe it's just BS. You who know knows, what she's right? saying? But it doesn't sound like hate speech to me. Okay. But then I'm not deeply committed to this cause, and like you know, wearing exactly. my heart on my sleeve. And, well, they they, know, they so. dropped that book. So so Amazon said we're not going to carry that book anymore. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like hate speech or some bullshit. Right. Okay, right. Mein Kampf is still. You can buy that anytime you want. Right. Okay, 
Yeah. You can go by Hitler's manifesto. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I graduated high school, I got a letter from my, I couldn't get my diploma because I had not paid library fines. I love that. It was Mein Kampf. I was like, I checked out Mein Kampf? When? I don't, Did you I really? Never, I never actually read it. I must have, it must have been like everybody oh in Nazi God. Germany was like there in my house for four wow, years. Holy crap. Me. I don't know. Strange. Yeah. I mean, that kind of thing is fascinating. World War II was a big interest of mine back then. I read uh, William Shirer's Rising I think I would, I would live without out of diploma just just to just it yeah yeah, no, yeah. I, I paid it it was you know or maybe i returned it I don't <laughs> but um yeah i read uh, speaking of powerful works of nonfiction, william shire's rise and fall of the third reich which is like like 1100 pages thousand pages just because the archives were opened from nazi germany so the whole story like from and you first, complain about this well i love that book that book yeah. like that was the first time i've really read like a non-fiction book yeah and just, I was like, wow, this is fascinating stuff, you know. So that's probably how I ended up checking out that book. And then <laughs> right, just, right. I was like, I maybe looked at the first couple of pages and I was like, well, this is crap. I can't read but, this. But you yeah. see the point, right? Yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. you can't read a book about <clears throat> transgenderism. Right. About, about the potential for transgenderism right. being bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what that book is. And, oh, that's dangerous. Right. Oh, Mein Kampf. Yeah, my plan... Yeah, but it's like clearly people would, I mean, as in my own case, you don't read Mein Kampf because you think the, there's cool things being said in Mein Kampf. You want to know, what's the story? What did Hitler say before I he came to power? You know, like, well, but, but, it's a historical document, in other words. But, but, like, who, get, who cares? Well, I mean, I mean, because you start to think, because, well, I mean, what, I don't I mean, know whether to what? go into this, but like, when someone says things as they're trying to get office... We have a tendency to say, oh, they're not really going to do those things when they're in office. Right? Yeah. They're not really going to make Mexico pay for a wall. That's just that's just something they say. Right. The lesson we learned by reading Mein Kampf is sometimes these people tell us exactly what they're planning <laughs> to do when they come to power. Okay. And so that's, that would be, these are the lessons of Hitler. You want to read these things about Hitler so that we're like, okay, like, keep your eyes open. This could happen someday. Okay. You know, they could do something, sim- somebody could do something similar. Right. You know? So it's a historical document. Sure. Right? Like, not you're not reading it because you're like, how exactly do we get Lebensraum? You know, like, I mean, you're yeah. reading it because you're like, it's a historical document. Uh, how did Hitler come to power? What did Hitler say? How can we avoid Hitler? You know, like, okay. you study. It's a study of the person. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm not, I, honestly, the thing you're talking about, this transgender thing sounds to me like, it, it doesn't sound like hate speech to me. I don't really... I don't know. I didn't uh, read it. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, half of the book is taken up with a screed about I can't stand guys wearing dresses, but <laughs> I, I don't know. So. Well, and, and and to be fair, I haven't read it either. Um, I'm just doing you know secondhand stuff. But one last thing on our book okay. is, <clears throat> you know, he couldn't. He didn't publish his book in in. Uh, uh, no, I think it was published in the West. Eventually. It was published like, in the West. Like, like, really got out there. It was being but, passed but, around by yeah, yeah, no, no. Really yeah, he did not publish yeah. this book in the USSR. No. Uh, it was published, like, uh, personally by small presses. Mm-hmm. People handed hand it over. The very beginning, it was, it was viral. Like, yeah, it was viral at the time, which is like. You take literally the the, the, the paper mm-hmm. file and you hand it to somebody else, like right? Thomas Paine, like common right, sense. Right? Yeah, exactly. Same common sense just flew. And and, flew, and at the very beginning, you, you learned that that people had forty eight hours. That was it. Okay, 
So <laughs> yeah, no, not so, so, not forty eight hours. So no my, way. my book is four hundred and sixty eight pages. But the real book... Maybe if I was in a gulag and I had nothing to do, <laughs> right? I could read this. So the real days. book was 20-something hundred pages, right? Because that's 1,100? No. I think the total is about 1,800. Yeah, okay. the third so, volume shorter than the other right. three. So, the, other so the entire thing is 1,800 pages. Give or take, yeah. So imagine having 48 hours. Yeah. Okay? And you get this one copy. And they say, you've got 48 hours. Yep. After this, you got to give it to this other guy. Okay? That's how... This book is distributed. Um, yeah, how it many wasn't pages? printed. Like that's it. That's it. That's that's what it was. This is like nineteen sixty-six or seven or something like that. Okay. You could read it in forty-eight hours, couldn't you? I'm like trying to do the math in my. Head. I don't know how, man. Because I, I read, minute, I read the hell out of this. Yeah, I know. Even the, this, this four hundred sixty-eight pages. This took me weeks. Oh but then my again, god! You know, I've got kids. But so I'm but not, I'm not. but that was the point. It's like you know you've got to read it and give it give it up. Right. Okay, so. Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. all right. That's where we're at. You know, he won't let he won't let people read, download, buy books that he doesn't agree with. Okay, so what are we gonna what are we gonna do? I need to know more about this policy. I'm not gonna. I can't. I need, okay. Well, you're you're a lawyer. Go 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 learn about more it. Info. We'll mean, talk about it next in, time. In principle, <laughs> I mean. We said this before. It's a private company. Yeah. They can do whatever the hell yeah, they want. Yeah, well, but if, but it's a public it, but, company. But well, I don't mean I don't mean public yeah, yeah. in the sense. Right. Of, I mean a private company, as in not the government. Sure, public private right. in that sense. No, I mean yeah, it's that they've publicly traded stocks. But right, um, I think that um, once you get to a certain scale and you're denying free speech, that you could almost be considered to be a you right. know, a governmental entity, yeah. not a governmental entity, but to have that level of effect. Yeah, you know, so that. You know, if Facebook is, you know, regulating our freedom of speech, then we almost have no freedom of speech, which is right. not true. I think we, we give too much power to these people. We spend too much time on their... But Amazon's no. different because you're talking about the number one bookseller. Yeah. So, yeah. well, does anybody read books anymore? I know I do, but I don't know how many people are still reading books. I, I think so. I, mean, I hope so. I mean, I hope so, too. All right. I hope so because, like, for instance, this kind of a book is exactly why a book is better than just getting a couple of articles on the internet. Because the wealth of proof and the wealth of evidence and the extensive, like, going into it for 1,800 pages is a much stronger argument than what somebody can put together in 1,000 words on a, on, a, on a website in an article. Right. And this is how most people are consuming their their political evidence well, these days. Yeah, it's short absolutely. blurbs. Nobody well, reads something like this. That's the point. You know? Yeah, that's so, the point. But this, yeah, is, yeah. this is better yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Much better in a lot of ways. It's more powerful. This yeah. is a much more powerful argument for what he's saying than a little article would be. Right. So there's a place for it. So right. are we? We're toasting. We both. We, we both said we're we're toasting. We are toasting. So All one right. last time, Nazdarovia. Nazdarovia. Uh, right. And we are toasting this classic, the Gulag Archipelago, the joy of Zex. Yes. <laughs> joy of Zex. All right. So before we move on. Um, this is our verse episode. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> we've got a movie next. Is that right? That's the plan. Okay. Um, You're not going to try to come up with it right now and just choose the movie off the fly. Well. Think on it. All right. Uh, you can't see what's going on. Don't pick that like 70 hour long Russian science fiction movie. To, uh, just pick a movie that I can watch. Uh-huh. Just be done with it and 
have it watched. I didn't say I was going to do it. Oh, that's you. You're next. No, 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 no. You're next. Okay. No, okay. So you can't see what's going on, dear, dear listeners. But we are doing this. Oh, we're going to Rochambeau for it? Yeah, we're right. going to. So are we, are we one, two, three, shoot, or one, two, shoot? One, two, three, shoot. Okay, okay so. One, two, three, shoot. Oh, oh okay. okay. So the movie falls All to right, me. All right. So so I was I was scissors. He was rock. I don't like this system. But All right. So theoretically, we could end up with me picking everything for like a month. Well, this is the this is the only time we're doing. Oh no! I think we should always no, Rochambeau no, for it no, live. No, I think we should Rochambeau no, live. Every no, time. no. Okay. You're telling me it's just not. No. No. That's no. literally that is no. That, that it has a lot to do with it. <laughs> All, right, All right. Well, All right. we uh, we're not going to announce. What, no, the, no. what the film no. is on, but okay. but but we are doing just tell them, so we're doing a film next right correct okay it has to so, be a classic it has to be somebody has to say it's a classic right hopefully, it's yeah. not gonna be grandma's not, boy not just my kids it's not grandma's boy we're not doing that <laughs> so, well, although although I've considered doing one week which is definitely not a classic that would be fun and that would be yeah, grandma's yeah. boy would okay. fall into that so it's like, in case anybody right. is really looking forward to, to right. us <laughs> half baked you know, there's there's a, there's a bunch of things like that. So all right, so we will uh, we'll come back with our uh, with the um, well just for the next one, right? The next one, the next film. Yeah, yeah. Next time you hear from us. All right. So what we should say? What should we say? What should we say? Huh? We've decided to toast this classic. All right. See you next time on toasting the classics. How do you say it in Russian? Мы будем видеть Nah, toasting the classics. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Bye, everyone. That's it for the first episode of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some brandy or armagnac for next week's episode, where we'll be talking about the 1970 Best Picture winning movie, Patton. If you'd like to get in touch, send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, your comments and complaints, whatever. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at at reactivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classics. Thank you.